You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 220 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio this week, it's my co-host Matt Smith. Well, hello everyone. Greetings. Greetings. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Yeah. Jolly good. Jolly good. good. It's good. It's, uh, it's been a it's been a it's a, been a funny old funny old week. It's been a funny old it's week. Been a funny uh, week. I've, I've I've had a lot of fun. I spent three days in Rome, so I'm I'm as happy as a pretty <laughs> pound stuff. Frankly, I'm not going to lie. Really, uh, had the most amazing time with amazing friends. What was it? I think I think Grant said something along the lines of it was basically three thousand years of history, good friends, and great beer. I mean, what what more what more do you need in life uh, than than those things? So, uh, for those of you watching live on YouTube, will probably notice that we are back in the kitchen studio. We've had uh, a bit of a funny week, really, and um, we have kind of uh, it's kind of all change, really. Yes, uh, with yeah. uh, with the studio. So we're we're having a bit of a rejig with yeah. the studio. So uh, <coughs> watch the space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, those of you watching the show uh, will probably notice a certain someone yeah, behind someone's me. Someone's back at long someone's last. Back. <laughs> Come and say hello, Gemma, because the, the chat room's just been waiting all... Yes, Get the washing out. Yeah. The washing. <laughs> I know. The only re- Hi, Gemma. Gemma, the only reason we're back is the fact that we, we've missed you putting the shopping away. I know. That's purely what it is. It's and the chat, the chat room goes wild. Yeah, absolutely. literally goes wild. It's, you, we're only back because we missed you putting the shopping Aww. away when we can't, you know, so it's I all know, good. I do the shopping on a Thursday night now. Well, you'll have to put it back to a Friday again. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not open to discussion. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Oh, they see. Mike is already Mike off there. Oh, yeah. Okay. See. This is the chat room's gone bizarre. You're going to have to leave now because you're far more popular than the rest of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> If there was any kind of like, you know, sort of popularity contest, you and I are officially <laughs> screwed, oh, let, are, let's be honest yeah. anyway. So uh, we have got <laughs> a, we've got a really special guest with us, joining us in the kitchen studio. And uh, we've, he's been on the show a few times, but we love having him back. So welcome onto the show, Armando. Hello, hello. It's a beautiful afternoon here in East Anglia, and I'm just happy to be here. I, I should say, by the way, that uh, me and Armando are rocking shorts, by the way, and what, what's your excuse? Um, I'm cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely in shorts and, and flip I'll flops. You, I'll tell you what, you can tell he's from the south, can't you, these soft, <laughs> southerners, you know. <laughs> anyway, Excuse me, a certain <laughs> someone who's in this kitchen behind us here was moaning last night that, that we should turn the heating back on. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, the by way, Dave and Sophie say hello. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Oh, right, yeah. I see. Right, okay. It's my wife buys my clothes for me. Oh, dear. It's all right. My mum still does. She has far better taste than I do. So, Armando, <laughs> we've been... That's a great segue. Yeah, yeah, Getting back to aviation. Yes. Now, <laughs> um, Armando, we, we saw you a few weeks ago at Bruntingthorpe, and uh, we, had uh, a little, we had a little chat at the time. Excuse me, Chris Turnbull yes. says, cold is no excuse. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll get a mankini on during, yeah. oh, during no, the break. No, 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 no. Anyway, anyway sorry. Yes. so yeah, we saw Brunty. you a few weeks ago at Brunty, and uh, yeah, at the time you you were doing a bit of uh, interesting flying. How's that going? Yeah, that's it. I I actually um, wanted yes. to stay the whole day at Bruntingthorpe. There was some awesome airplanes that I am completely ashamed to say I showed up and I actually didn't know what some of those airplanes <gasps> were. Wow, 
<laughs> I'm not even kidding. Wow, that um, is that is that is just 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 just. Yeah, I know. So moving on before you before <laughs> yeah. I fall off the pedestal I, I, that you yeah, hold I, me I, on. Honestly, yeah, I think his halo. So we need to polish yeah, his halo. It slipped a bit. Uh, no, I, I, I had to leave early. I, I was doing some aerobatics yeah. training about halfway through some uh, aerobatics training. I'm here. sorry, what? Yeah, there's <laughs> a there's aerobatics. a well, there's a couple schools here in East Anglia, but uh, I'm flying out of Peterborough. And uh, it, 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 it gives you a whole new appreciation for the physiology behind aviation on your first and second flight when you're, uh, <laughs> your body's doing things that you didn't know it could do. The, the, the mere thought of it is genuinely making me feel quite nauseous. I'm not going to lie. It's just yeah, like- but it, it, was, it was great training. Well, I'm in the middle of it. So it, it is great training. I mean, you, you do all the things that the textbook says, or right into spins, right into upside down and loops and... And uh, all the basic aerobatics maneuvers, but wow. yeah, lots of flying. So, what type of aircraft are you doing this in then? That was an extra two hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just two hundred horsepower, little two seater. Um, but next week I'll be going out to Italy to fly the Black Shape Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereabouts in Italy? Uh, it's in Bari or Monopoly. Because right, obviously it's yeah. my, my new favorite place to be in the entire world. So <laughs> We uh, need Jenny know. in the chat room. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we do, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to show me around Bari or Monopoly, that's where I'll be for a couple of days uh, oh, trying out the black shape. And then uh, and then two weeks from now, I'll be going back to the States for some multi-engine recurrent training. So. Wow. Yeah. God, you do some flying, don't you? That's what we're here for, right? It's a wonder you ever get a chance to do anything un-aviation related. I'm sorry. Is there such a thing? <laughs> no, no, no. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. No. Is the short? Is the correct answer? Yeah, to right. That question? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, do you get, ever get to drink beer? But I suppose that's, that's part of the yeah. After the fight, he's in the military. Yeah, of course, yeah. he gets time to drink beer. <laughs> what what kind of heathen are you? Apparently, Neil Lamwell. Neil, Neil is in the chat room. He says he's done spins in a tiger moth. Held, oh wow! And he ha- held onto his bacon sandwich. Well, did he throw it up? Yeah. That's the that's the other question. <laughs> I think I might have done. <laughs> I, I've been playing for twenty one years, and that was the first time I've I've had to say to my instructor, "Hold on, just a second. <laughs> wow. I need some fresh air." <laughs> wow, and uh, that's frightening. And he took us home. Right. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Lie down in a darkened room. Required. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really. Oh. <laughs> so the. It's uh, it's the eighth of June. It is. Uh, yeah. It's Friday. It's uh, just coming up to twenty five past seven in the yep. evening here. We're going to say a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room tonight. Loads of the usual, uh, the, all the usual family members mm. in the chat room as always. Uh, Liz, Auntie Liz, hello to you. Aww. Our main man, Micah, Richard Adams, Mashers in the chat room. Uh, Mariana, Stephen Ivy, Lane Street, Shorty Crosgroves in the chat room as well. Neil Lamborn is in the chat room. Um, we've got to scrolling down. Just miss it. Tony Working S. Hello, Tony yeah. S. Chris Turnbill. Good evening to you, Chris. Uh, Lane Street. Uh, have I missed anyone? Marcia, Probably. Mariana. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, Some guy called Armando. Armando's in the chat room, yeah. He's also in the studio. It's always <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Richard King. Hello to you as well, Richard. And uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for joining us this evening uh, for episode 220. Indeed. But so because it's the beginning of the month, there is a bit of housekeeping to do. There certainly is. So with that comes the music. Ah, uh, yes. It's PTUK After Dark. So it is uh, <laughs> time then what you thank all our Patreon donators for this month, as always. And uh, as you know, the Patreon uh, funds helps to... Well, it helps to, to pay for all the shiny I'm, things that we I'm use. I'm guessing I'm not allowed and, um, to smoke a pipe in your kitchen. No, not at all. It doesn't pay for that either. <laughs> no, the Patreon donations obviously help to look look after the show, and we really do appreciate everyone donating to the show. 
and uh, it helped very much in uh, the production for Bruntingthorpe a few weeks oh, ago yeah, yeah, um, yeah. as well for that so thanks to everyone so we're going to say a special thank you then to uh, Adrian Meacham uh, Nick Anderson Captain Jeffs Dr Steph Stuart Black Liz Piper Neil Lanwarn Nico Riga actually Neil is a new Patreon donator so thanks yeah, to you Neil thank you Neil yeah. uh, Nico Riga uh, Jonathan Warner Evan Shue Adam Spink uh, Matt Donnemeyer Jeff Ward Ben Todd York Mola uh, Philip Leib and uh, Andrew Wilson Graham Haley uh, Matt Caton our famous beer man uh, Eric Graves Jordan Rose uh, Steve Andres Matthew Buntingframe and uh, Ryan Harper as well, Shurt Backer, Ray Williams, and uh, Jenny as well. Jenny in Rome, who donates Aww. through the uh, PayPal, PayPal yep. kind of uh, way of doing things on there. So thanks to all you guys and girls who donate to us. Much, uh, to much appreciated. We it really it do helps appreciate to, it. We've been doing some amazing things the last couple of yeah. years, and it's all down to our wonderful Patreon donors and our PayPal donor. A- anyone who contributes towards the show. Some people uh, contribute in, in time, even, yeah. Uh, yeah. in helping us with lots of things. So, no, it much love to you all for uh, helping uh, well and uh, you know I, I was saying actually I, I mean I've had some of the most amazing experiences I mean you think uh, uh, my little trip to Rome which I know I was alluded to last week and I, I'm just sort of standing and I'm meeting Grant McCarran for the first time and I'm sat in Rome with Jenny uh, and her lovely family having a meal having a drink and I'm thinking and this is all because of something that I know nothing about yeah. it's absolutely brilliant <laughs> just like, actually, you know. actually on, on the on the words of Patreon we, uh, we've just invested uh, on Amazon on in one of these microphones Ooh, yes. we're talking through yes, here yes. one of these Behringer microphones yes. which should be hopefully with us next week yeah. and uh, yeah that's to, so we've got a fourth microphone here yeah. but where can they go if they want to donate to us uh, yeah so it is uh, it is w- take take yourself to the uh, website that's the easiest thing so it's www.patreon.plaintalkinguk.com uh, <laughs> and on there you'll find a link about Patreon donations don't forget also if you shop on Amazon if you sh- if you use the link on our website and then do your shopping uh, it means that uh, Amazon basically give us a, uh, a, a, an advertising referral fee essentially for you buying stuff through Amazon so you can actually contribute to what so without even having to physically give us money Amazon will do that for yeah. you so we yeah. do we have some really nice listeners aren't we have though? some amazing listeners yeah. we really do yeah, yeah. and um, uh, no more than this week have we found that out let's be honest certainly so, very yeah, true I will true. I will take a moment to recognize John Jester in the chat room so John and I go way back to 1994 Oh, wow. So I, I had just uh, joined the Civil Air Patrol as a cadet, so basically an air cadet, and John was my instructor out there. And oh, wow. I owe him and two other, uh, Jean-Andre Parmeter and, and Alan Jakes, those two guys were really the ones that, that got me into the Civil Air Patrol and aviation and eventually oh, wow. the Air Force. So so really, it's a, it's a slow clap mm. moment for John Jester yeah, in the absolutely. chat room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That is nice to see. Oh, and, and then he's come to join you in the chat room, which is, which is great. And he does fly for the same company as Miami Rick. Oh, flying the, the queen of the skies. Oh, oh good, queen of the skies. good, good. Yes, absolutely. Well done, John. Well done, <laughs> I John. Like it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Flies, I know, I'm feeling a bit all warm and fuzzy. Now. I, know. <laughs> I need to lie down. I need to lie down. So, was, it, was that the music or was yeah. that the story? A <laughs> little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so we are uh, going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our run. Oh, I've got to find that now as well. Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, while Matt's finding yeah, that, no, I'll just, I'm done. just yeah. let everyone know that later on in the show, <laughs> we have got... <laughs> Great. Yeah. We, yeah. And later on in the show, we have got uh, our first uh, first of our really good interviews that we took at uh, oh, yes. Brandingsthorpe a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and we've also got also a little snippet of um, 
of tomfoolery from a Mr. Matt Smith that was taken a little in, snippet it's uh, about 13 minutes long <laughs> 13 minutes worth of snippet uh, but in Italy yeah. Uh, yeah, with his absolutely. with his trip with uh, Owen and mm. um, Jenny and obviously Grant McCann yeah, as well so, so we've got cool. that coming up so later cool. on the yeah. show but we have got we have got some news to do first okay, so we good. are going to yeah. start the show are then we? as we do oh, each okay. week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK so if you're ready Matt I am indeed yes and absolutely. if you're ready Armando ready to go let's go Hello, Armando. <laughs> I think our mice are interfering with each other. Oh, oh really? <laughs> oh, I think uh, perhaps they are. Perhaps they're on the mice. same channel. Oh, dear. Oh, I'll turn mine off. <laughs> you're, you're not interfering with my, with my... Is it me me with yours? I don't know. Is anyway, it, this has got nothing to do battle? with it. Can, can we read a story, please? <laughs> okay. Oh, right. So, <laughs> third world problems, people. So, kicking off this week's mm. first news story, then. This one is on the inews.co.uk website. And the headline is, What should I do if the airline I'm flying with loses my luggage? Oh. Now, I'm, I'm pleased to say that it's not happened to me. Touch wood. Oh, why, Carlos? Ever. What is wrong with you? I'm touching wood. <laughs> this is a wooden table. And uh, it, it's uh, one of those things that I would... T- I don't know, really, how I'd respond to this. If I was going on holiday, I suppose I'd be a bit upset, but yeah, um, yeah, you can yeah. always buy an extra pair of shorts. Well, I could, I yeah. Absolutely, yeah, so the true. story goes in, so few things are more annoying than setting off or returning from a trip abroad to find that your airline you've flown with has lost your luggage. Unfortunately, delayed and misplaced bags are a common problem for travellers. However, there are a number of steps you can take to ensure that you are compensated for the mistake. Here's what to do uh, and what you're entitled to if it happens to you. So, reporting your bag missing. If you can't find your bag on the carousel of the airport you arrived at, report it to staff as soon as possible. Many airlines offer the customers the option to log missing bags online. Uh, But you must do this within 24 hours of your arrival. Once logged your missing bag, uh, you should then be given a reference number. The company should keep you updated until your luggage is found and is being sent back to you. So, another one you can try is going without a suitcase. Good idea, I suppose. You may well find yourself with several... Just just buy everything you need from the airport. Exactly. (laughs) You may well find yourself without several uh, essential items if you're away from home when you lose your luggage. Toothbrush, pants. If you need to rebuy basic toiletries and clothes while you wait for your bag to be returned, keep the receipts. Most airlines will reimburse you for the cost so long as they are reasonable. So that means, Matt, no going into Armani or Gucci and buying... Six hundred pound, dude. I, I, I don't mean this in in a sort of unkind way, but uh, I don't think that these particular brands make items that I'd even be able to get my left <laughs> arm in. Uh, let alone, anyway, EasyJet something comfortable to wear. EasyJet in the UK will refund up to twenty five pounds per person per day for up to three days while customers are waiting for delay bags to arrive. Ah. Uh, getting your bag sent back. So if your bag is found, you should have the option to have it delivered to your chosen address as quickly as possible. You can normally arrange to collect your suitcase from the airport if you prefer. Uh, Delayed bags and lost bags, if your luggage is not found or is not returned uh, to you after 21 days, check the airline's T's and C's. The airline will declare it lost. So claiming Um. compensation, most travellers are eligible to claim compensation for the loss of belongings. Uh, Contact the airline directly and find out if you're entitled to claim. The amount of money the airline will pay depends on the contents of the bag. Hmm. 
If it helps if you can prove you previously purchased the missing items before your bag went missing, you can do this by keeping receipts and an itinerary of items you pack. However, some companies like Nev's favourite, BA, state that they don't uh, accept liability for the loss of jewellery, money and other valuables that have been packed inside the checked baggage. If you do have particularly valuable items with, uh, items with you, you can take them in your hand luggage. Uh, lost bags that turn up later airlines should keep details of the owners of lost bags so if they do find the luggage later they can contact their customers and send them back see now I don't agree with that I think if you've got um, if you I think it's reasonable to carry your jewelry in your in your luggage I think that's reasonable and, and I think as long as you can prove that what you had in oh, I suppose you don't carry receipts and stuff I suppose so you could claim that you've got all sorts of things in there but it does seem a little bit unfair to sort of basically you know we'll buy you some new clothes but anything that you had you know if you had a hard drive in there for example because you were going abroad and, and that kind of thing but I, I mean and everybody says oh yeah but put it in your hand luggage now because I, I was coming back from um, Edinburgh with Ryanair and they wouldn't let me mm. uh, leave yeah. so I had no choice but to put it in the hold so you know and that had got my friend's wedding video on it so if that had got damaged I don't know what I'd have, well his, his wife would have just found me and killed me uh, well, the last but, <laughs> one the last one on the list is a really important one actually which some people do miss but that's checking uh, that obviously you have travel insurance and uh, checking with your travel insurer because most people buy travel insurance before they head abroad um, and the kinds of levels of cover that the insurance companies offer does differ a heck of a lot because yeah, I, I found this mm. um, a few weeks back when I got our insurance for for Malta and yeah. the insurance companies they're kind of what they will and what they won't pay it for right. does okay. differ quite a lot what do you reckon about this then Armando have yeah. you ever had a bag Go gone missing. wrong yeah. um, no but I've been on the other side of it you know I think last time I was here I was telling you guys I was a ramp rat in uh, in Washington Dulles Airport so throwing bags so, I mean, it, it does happen, right? Mm. So, sometimes bags do get uh, mis... Whatever, misfiled, yeah. mis... You know, misplaced. Uh, or whatever, misplaced, yeah. 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 So, we're going to move on to the next story then. Uh, yes. Um, okay. It's an important story. Indeed, uh, yes. And, and while I'm now. reading that one, uh, uh, Carl's just going to go and put the lights on for me because Armando's camera has just gone into uh, 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 what I call strobe mode. because it's mode. In dark mode. It's in slow-mo. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, yes. So while Carlos is doing that, then uh, it's uh, that should hopefully. There we go. You see, that's much better. I'll put up with the strobing. It's fine. Uh, so it's uh, the sun, the the sun, which is obviously where everybody goes for their aviation news. And the headline is: Bottle it. Ryanair warns passengers duty-free booze is banned from cabin on Ibiza flights. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll choose my camera. Why not? Sorry. <laughs> If you're heading off to Ibiza this summer on a Ryanair flight, then you won't be able to bring booze brought in duty-free onto the plane with you. The budget airline is cracking down on drunken behaviour on board its flights. Uh, all alcohol brought in duty-free will need to be packed into luggage, which will then be placed into the hold. Ryanair sent an email to passengers heading to Ibiza, which reads, Any alcohol purchased in airport shops or elsewhere must be packed carefully in a suitable item of cabin baggage, uh, which will be tagged at the gate and then placed in the aircraft hold free of charge. The airline also warned that boarding gates will be carefully monitored and customers showing any signs of antisocial behaviour or attempting to conceal alcohol will be denied travel without refund or compensation. The airline has been imposing bans on bringing alcohol on board Ibiza flights since 2015. Uh, however, nothing was mentioned uh, in the email about buying drinks on board the flight, so you should still be able to have a few tipples in 
in the air. Ryanair told us customers flying from the UK to Ibiza are not permitted to bring duty-free alcohol on board our aircraft. Those who have purchased duty-free alcohol will be asked to either place their purchases in their cabin bag and into the hold at a boarding gate or leave their purchases behind, which obviously you're not going to do. This has been Ryanair's long-standing policy. Uh, We're also calling for significant changes to prohibit the sale of alcohol at airports, such as a two-drink limit per passenger and no alcohol sales before 10am. It's incumbent on the airports to introduce these preventative measures to curb excessive drinking and the problems it creates, rather than allowing passengers to drink to excess before their flights. You're not technically allowed to drink the alcohol that you buy at the airport when you're on board a plane. So how can you have a drink when flying without shelling out an arm and a leg? Blogger Gilbert Ott reveals that on his blog that... uh, there are act- there actually is a way cabin crew can actually serve you drinks that you've brought on board with you as long as you ask f- ask for it discreetly yeah right uh you cannot serve yourself on the plane any plane no no you can't so it's a bit of a bit of a weird story here now again it, i i kind of understand where they're going from but the thing that annoys me the most is they're you know, are they just doing this because they basically want you to just buy all the booze on the aeroplane? Because let's be honest, the cabin crew get commission on it, and so do the. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, uh, it, and again, the, the it's legislation doesn't help. I think as well. You don't no, remember. no, that is true. It is Ibiza. It is um, Ibiza. Yeah, absolutely. Not saying that you know Ibiza is yeah. not a very nice place to go, but no. it is generally the destination for mm. stag parties, Hindus. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really? That's actually a really good point, though, Matt. I mean, I was I was taking the sort of the angry approach of you know a small percentage of the population is making it, so nobody else agreed, can do something. Completely but, agreed. Yeah. But actually, you probably have a really good point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think I think this is the. But we find this in life in general, don't we? Where it's the minority spoiling it for the majority, isn't it? And I mean, and I, even I, I have to confess, even I am rather guilty of having a pint of cider with my breakfast <laughs> at six a.m. in the airport, just because I would never, ever in a million years otherwise do so, because I'm not driving when I get the other end, and it's just there's something really weird about having. You know, it does taste a bit funny after your toothpaste, obviously, first <laughs> early doors, but nevertheless, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, I I. Um, I I get why they're they're making this, but I, uh, the the cynic in me, especially when it's involving this particular airline, is making me think. And I can say this now that I've finished my flight, uh, <laughs> and I'm not yeah. flying. Now that you're not getting an upgrade <laughs> no, to first yeah, class, yeah, 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 what on Ryanair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what would be first class? I suppose you know, like overwing, the jump, overwing seat, the jump seat, yeah. the jump seat. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that would frighten the living bejesus out of me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything. I certainly don't want to go anywhere near the cabin. Thank you. <laughs> or the cockpit sorry i mean anyway yeah anyway, so before matt gets chucked <laughs> off another ryanair oh he hasn't yet but you know, he should be next <laughs> what do you mean chucked off another one <laughs> we'll uh, move on to the next story armando this uh, <clears throat> this one's for you yeah so this is from cbsnews.com and the title is emirates airline says planes in the future will be windowless Ooh. so picking an aisle a middle or a window seat could take on a whole new meaning for plane travel in the future Windowless airplanes would travel faster, soar higher, and burn less fuel, according to Tim Clark, president of Emirates Airline. You can save 50% of weight of the aircraft if you remove the windows, he said in a recent podcast on the airline's site. While windowless airplanes uh, might look different or might look odd from the outside, those in the cabin would be looking at what appears to be a window, but instead shows vivid scenes projected from the outside of the aircraft using fiber optic cameras. First-class travelers on some of Emirates' aircraft can experience virtual windows themselves. 
as the technology is now already in use in on the carrier's newest Boeing 777-300ER planes. Um, let's see, on the outside there will appear to be no windows, but on the inside there will be a full display of windows and we will use fiber optic camera technology to beam in the images from the outside into those windows, as we have done in first class suites, said Clark who added the images are also shown in the center suites of the aircraft, which is kind of nice to have a view. Uh, the images are such high definition that they offer better views than what can be seen with the natural eye, added Clark, who readily acknowledged that some passengers would dislike the concept. The view that consumers won't readily adapt to the idea of windowless pa uh, planes has been expressed as long as the technology has been available. But one editor at the travel site the points guy flew with Emirates and lauded the experience, calling it easily the coolest takeoff I've ever seen outside the cockpit. Uh, the idea of windowless planes has been kicked around for a number of years, but getting promoted by one of the world's biggest airlines bring to, brings the technology that much closer to the mainstream. Now, I had first-hand um, look at this uh, last November at the Dubai Air Show. And, what, what did uh, you think? And Well... I went on board the new the new first class suites they've got they got on the triple sevens and sat down and, and it's, it's a really weird situation or, or feeling because you're sitting there looking at a window and you know it's not real because even though it's quite high res you could still it's, it's that that it look. doesn't move it probably yeah, doesn't, it doesn't move with, yeah, the, yeah. with the airplane yeah right, yeah so. it, it, but they can project you could have anything on there that, that you wish to but the view that they had on the window at the time when I sat there was they had a camera at the front of the aircraft looking over the air show and that was project that was being shown on the on the windows on right, the first yeah. class cabin but it's, they're but they're all looking at the same point essentially yeah, yeah. essentially yeah. It, yeah I mean it looked good I mean it is, it is really good but as a lot of people in the chat room have pointed out whilst you've been reading that story is um, safety you know safety um, you know in an event of a, a of a, a crash landing right windows do obviously help emergency services with seeing but inside the aircraft plus right. also oh, passengers you know to see outside the aircraft as but, well but realistically don't take i mean but realistically if you did have a problem presumably you would be um you wouldn't be going out through the window anyway no, 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 so no, no, as no. long as no. you know i mean so they might keep the window as part of the the door for example so that you can at least sort of mm. well if nothing else if you, let's be honest with the low-cost airlines you want to be able to you know and they're bringing the steps up to the you know you there's got to be some way of like talking to the guy that's brought you the steps and and things like that before you hook it up to the plane actually neil lamorne's just said in the chat which is quite right actually isn't this just cargo planes <laughs> well, that, that is it true. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. We'll well, I, I, this is where I'll jump in and say anybody that's been in the military has flown cargo planes, and you know, half the time yeah. you're asleep, anyways, and you don't miss the windows. But. No, no, that's true. Actually, it's uh, Chris Turnbull who's in the chat room who said that um, he's not happy about windowless aircraft just for emergencies, so emergency service can see in an event of emergency. But but, yeah, uh, I, suppose, I suppose that's that. Actually, Pip says uh, he doesn't see how this saves weight or increases performance. Yeah, because the screen is presumably going to be heavier than... Even the lightest of screens is going to be heavier than... Plus, you've got the soft, the software and all the, the hardware yeah. that's going to be... <laughs> yeah, yeah, judging absolutely. by the quality yeah. of the entertainment systems on the yeah, aircraft. <laughs> absolutely. Can you imagine if those windows didn't work? If the if the <laughs> picture windows didn't work? Oh, no. Can you imagine okay. if you've got a blue, Windows 10 blue, blue screen, screen of death or something like yeah. that? Well, you're sort of sat oh. there and it's just like... Or maybe Linux or whatever platform. Or we could go old school and have, yeah. have the, the window say syntax error. 
Syntax error. Yeah, God, no, what century are you from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surely that, that would make 250 people on a long-haul flight super happy. <laughs> mm. might, might make people, for some people, feel a bit sick if they don't get it right as well, to be fair. Yeah, like, yeah, all all jokes true. aside, you know, yep. it's, I don't know. I, I think if they get it right, I mean, but then I suppose if you were going to have, like, the uh, like one camera per window, then you might as well just put in a window, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just... Because it's going to be a bit weird also not to see the wings. Mm, yeah. For me, uh, I, for me, I'm hoping what they'll do is they'll, they'll bring this in, you know, on a few aircraft, but mm. they'll have a camera just behind the flight deck, you know, where the flight deck door is, looking at the, at the flight deck, so we can all watch the pilots as, they, as they're flying. Oh, no, they, they, they won't like that. No, 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 they won't like that. They pilots won't like, no, like that. No, 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 no. Just in case they're playing, I would like just in case they're playing with their Snapchat filters during flight. Oh, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. You know, but, I mean, for av geeks, that'd be, I mean, that would be like, yeah. well. See, I, I, would, I, I, could, I could live with people having a camera on the top and then, like, sort of watching where you're going, because that would be a view that literally only the Which you can with Emirates, on the, can you? On the A380. I mean, I don't know yeah, quite yeah. how you do it to stop the camera from fogging up and... and it works and really well. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, how, quite what yeah. ca- type of cameras they use on the 380. Probably but, slightly but, better than the ones we're using in here, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, the cameras they use on there are really good. You can um, you can watch the whole entire flight if you want to, if, it, if it's daytime from from the wow. tail. Is it any good at night? I suppose not. It just sort of you, you just, just see the kind of beacon flashing bits. on top of there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So um, moving on uh, to the next story then, and this one is on the CNN dot uh, com or edition at CNN dot com uh, website, and it's uh, for those of you who watch various aviation type. Uh, things on YouTube. You may have seen the video of this particular airport on there. Uh, it's uh, Nicosia International Airport, the Cypriot Airport abandoned for 44 years. Wow. So a large passenger jet sits silent and still on the edge of a sun-beaten track. It won't fly again. The engines have been stripped down, its wings wrecked and weathered by time. Nearby, shafts of sunlight pass through the smashed windows of a cavernous hangar. Everything is covered in dust and rust and a jumble of barbed wire, broken glass and sprouting weeds. On this part of Europe's last divide capital, there's long t- oh, the time has been long time frozen. For the past 44 years, the once vibrant state-of-the-art Nicosia International Airport has remained shut, a fading and painful travel relic of the turbulent history of Cyprus. That's an awesome picture there, Matt, that trident. Well, yes and no. <laughs> uh, so Cyprus... <laughs> it's a bit sad, really, it isn't it? It is a bit yeah. sad. Cyprus, a former colony, became independent in 1960. Over the years, tension rose between the Greek Cypriot majority and Turkish Cypriot minority. In 1974, the government of Greece sponsored an attempt to overthrow the elected president of Cyprus. Turkey responded with military intervention and soon controlled more than a third of the island. The division persists uh, persists to this day with a United Nations patrol buffer zone, uh, cutting across the island and splitting the Turkish Cypriot north from the Greek Cypriot north. Desolate, empty and eerie, the airport sits inside the buffer zone known as the Green Line. Its access to the public is heavily restricted as it forms part of the wider complex housing the UN uh, headquarters, peacekeeping force of the island. This is a far cry from its earlier days after decades of being used uh, mostly for military purposes. Nicosia International Airport was officially inaugurated in 1968 with the addition of a modern terminal building boasting high-tech facilities and a multitude of restaurants and shops. 
But uh, to become a major tourism and transportation hub in the eastern Mediterranean, the airport would become robust trade uh, for over the coming years. By 1973, it reportedly served nearly 800,000 passengers. But this bustling life abruptly cut was abruptly cut short, I should say. During 1974, Crisis Nicosia International Airport became one of the main targets of the Turkish army and commercial uh, activity was terminated. A series of air raids were launched on the site followed by heavy and deadly fighting in its vicinity between Turkish and Greek forces. UN troops eventually intervened when the ceasefire lines were drawn in mid-August 1974 and the airport was declared a UN-protected area and became part of the buffer zone. The new airport, Larnaca International Airport, or LCA, was opened in the Republic of Cyprus in 1975. I've flown in there. It's a nice airport. Uh, but to this day, beaten down Cyprus Airways Trident Sunjet plane stands motionless between decaying hangars and terminal buildings. According to the UN, the plane's engines were stripped during the 1974 events and used to repair another jet for flight. Long abandoned airport complex has been used by, uh, as one of the sites for the launch of intercommunal talks in the efforts for to find a solution for the island's impasses over the years. I mean, it is a shame when you look at some of the pictures because mm. um, there are other aircraft there as well, which I don't think they show in the pictures on no. here. But if you go over to YouTube, there's actually a group of guys who um, took some GoPros and, and kind of went in the airport really? all around. And it's just so bizarre because so this is like a really huge easy. airport yeah. and the buildings, the terminal buildings, the check-in desks, the carousels, duty-free shops, everything mm. is like there as it was um, yeah, but the pigeons are living there unfortunately yeah um, and as there are aircraft as I said outside you can probably see there but, um, indeed yes yeah, it's, it's all a bit sad isn't it you just sort of yeah. and that actually aircraft there you're just showing on shot there the Trident uh, British yeah. built aircraft and um, there are, there is actually one of those at Duxford is yeah, in uh, Cambridge yeah wow. what do you think about that, that uh, Armando yeah I, I would love to see it uh, I, first of all, I think it would make the world's greatest paintball. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Can you imagine that? Yeah. So much Whole fun. airport terminal yeah. and a bunch of airplanes sitting outside. <laughs> but I I, I, uh, I, completely nerd out about, over stuff like this, abandoned buildings and, yeah. and airfields. It's one of the coolest things to do here in England, actually, to yeah. see all the uh, the abandoned uh, control towers and, and technical sites and everything. So, mm. you know, I hope they maybe open it up some Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. sort of living hope, mm. really. I mean, that, that would be great, really, wouldn't it? So moving on to the next story then, and uh, this one is for you, Matt. Is it? Right, okay. So this is on the AV Herald. Wow, I can't remember the last time I got an AV Herald story to read. <laughs> <You're> blessed. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, hope that I do it justice, aren't I, really? But there we are. That's, that's all part of this. This is the Aviation Herald, obviously, the legendary Aviation Herald, uh, avherald.com, if you're not aware. And it's involving an instant, sadly. So it's instant American A319 uh, near El Paso on the 3rd, June the 3rd, 2018. Severe hail strike. My goodness me. Um, an American Airlines Airbus A319-100 registration, November 806 Alpha Whiskey, performing flight Alpha Alpha 1897 from San Antonio, Texas to Phoenix, uh, Arizona, uh, with 130 passengers and five crew, was en route at uh, Foxtrot Lima 340, about 115 nautical miles northeast of El Paso in Texas, uh, where um, when the aircraft encountered turbulence and a severe Severe hail strike at around about uh, 108 in the morning, basically uh, 108 Zulu anyway. Uh, this is on the 4th of June, causing damage to both windscreens and the nose cone 
of the aircraft. The crew decided to divert to El Paso, initiating a normal descent, uh, entered at a hold at 9,000 feet to burn off fuel, and landed safely in El Paso around about 70 minutes after leaving um, flight level flight level 3340. Sorry, I was doing so well. Uh, passengers <laughs> reported... That I, was doing, I was doing me, you know, me Alpha Victor Foxtrotsies and all sorts. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> passengers reported... There was lightning outside the aircraft windows. There was a sound of hail pelting the aircraft. The sickness bags were very much needed. <laughs> Several passengers needed more than one and were, and, and were handed such bags by other passengers not needing them. A replacement Boeing 737-800, registration mark November 929 Alpha November, reached uh, Phoenix with a delay of three hours. Now, uh, I'm going to pop this picture up here. Uh, now, Mando, you, you saw this as well, didn't you? This is some real damage. I this, mean, is, this is quite hardcore damage. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give kudos to these pilots. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the state of that. This is this is essentially a bird strike on steroids. This, it, it, yeah, you're not kidding. I, I, I'm sure. However, this happened. It was an emotional event for the pilots. You know, um, <laughs> that just having the you can't see out the windows. Yeah, uh, the airplane probably wasn't handling correctly with that that much damage on the radome. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, you look at that damage, and uh, I mean, I know nothing about aviation, as we've established. And, and I'm, look- I'm looking at that f- photo, um, which if you're watching on the YouTube feed, you find, if not, take yourself to the AV Herald website, uh, where you can have a look at this picture for yourself, uh, if you are listening on the audio version. But, I mean, I-, I can't even comprehend how that thing was still in the air. I yep. mean, I know the wings obviously are a major part, and as long as none of that has been damaged, then you stand a really good chance. But I mean, I mean, these guys are basically flying blind, aren't they? They're relying purely on instrumentation. Sure, which is which is normal for them, right? So right, this okay. it's it's absolutely normal to to land, you know, a, do a, a very difficult ILS approach into somewhere yeah. with with low visibility. However, if the if the nose took this much damage, I'm sure the leading edge took damage. I'm sure the engines took some hail damage. Yeah. And I lived in New Mexico for quite a few years, and and uh, you know the the dispatchers would never have planned this route. The the air crew would no, never have no, planned no, this route. No, no. So the weather out there is incredibly volatile. Yeah, and the storms will will reach well into the forty fifty thousand feet range, and and it's just you know something that that. Uh, I'm sure may have been in, in, in their minds or in their cross-check looking at the weather radar. But, uh, yeah, it, it's incredibly impressive. And you will you can see on the website the route that they took to get to El Paso. Um, so, it, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and just give kudos to the pilots on yeah, this one. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on, on that report, it, does, it shows uh, on the AV Herald site uh, an infrared satellite image of, of the actual area where this happened and it's, it's pretty safe to say I think Armando I mean I think most of us all know that, that here we go I'm popping, it up so, I'm popping it up on the screen now so this where is, that circle is is Roswell New Mexico oh okay <laughs> right okay. so there's a lot of weird things that happen there yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what most people don't know is there are actually 10,000 foot mountains uh, right around that area 10 to 13,000 foot mountains so in addition to the challenging situation with the weather is getting it down on the ground in a mm. safe manner was uh was uh, you know uh, kudos to them incredible yeah. frankly yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean it's just if you look at the, the first picture on there uh, it looks like the actual um the, the aluminium kind of no- radome has been pushed and molded round the actual the radar yeah radar inside or at least the mountain, it's, right? it's yes. unbelievable isn't it 
it's just um, oh, it's just incredible how, yeah, yeah it know, is well it done is. How, on, how on earth they did that I, I, well I can't I just can't I, I, again I can't yeah. compute I can't compute but uh, I mean this will obviously this will be repaired the aircraft will obviously have a new radome and any damage will be repaired and mm. this will probably be back into service fairly swiftly I'd imagine as they say yeah. it'll buff out it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll buff out <laughs> yeah right yeah it, obviously it'll buff out yes <laughs> just look, just looking into the chat room to see uh, how the uh, how the chat room are looking with this story, and uh, yeah, I think with the brand tries a moment. I think Neil. Yeah, I, th- I think that's said. I think that's safe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not at all surprised. And uh, Shorty said that the NTSB will probably say pilot error. Really? Yeah. Well, I sp- well, we'll, we'll see. You know. We'll see. Yeah. I but, mean, I, I suppose you you could argue there is this slim possibility that um, you know maybe. May- I don't know, but I mean, we're looking at that map. I mean, it would be very difficult to avoid that. I mean, that's actually, Tony S has just said about a, a good point that Micah said, um, uh, and you'll know probably about this some under more than most. You know, why did the pilot fly into a massive red blob on the weather radar? Because obviously they've got so, weather radar on. on so the- red blobs on the weather radar don't necessarily give you the altitude. You can tilt the weather radar up and down, but. Uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily. A lot of times, you can fly over it. You can fly around it. Um, it, it general rule is you stay twenty five, fifty miles away from a even a tall thunderstorm, and and, and you'll probably be okay. It happens all the time. Um, but again, these storms can pop up so quickly that they may not have mm. had an, an opportunity to deviate north, south, um, or even turn back. But uh, it, it's just part of flying in the West. Uh, in the United States, is, is storms and weather yeah you guys do get um good good weather i guess you sh- 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 say over yeah. in the states yeah you, uh, there is some uh, awesome weather over there like i said we always say man do we they, they actually get snow there they do yeah, yeah it's, real it's snow not, it's not fun yeah. So, yeah, liz piper just said uh they uh, jeff played the atc tape and of course as usual you know as we see over and over again the pilots were very calm calm and cool yeah, yeah. indeed so the next story yeah. moving on armando is um Bit of a one for anyone who's uh, looking to make a purchase. Yeah. So this is from uh, Foxtrot Alpha website. Uh, Boeing will sell you an ejection seat. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. If you're looking for a new seat for your fully kitted out CRX, you've probably considered Recaro's, Jamex's, Sparco's seats. But have you ever considered an ejection seat, though? Because apparently Boeing will sell you one and a real one ripped out of a real fighter jet. It's probably had all its rockets and whatnot taken out, but still, it's a real ejection seat. Uh, Boeing says that it's a genuine ejection seat from an F-4 Phantom II. Uh, Their description says this Mark 7 rocket-assisted ejection seat built by a British manufacturer, Martin Baker Aircraft Company, has been professionally cleaned and refurbished and riveted to a sturdy steel base with a natural-looking, hand-applied, weathered finish. A custom hanger plaque is affixed to the underside of the base, and a certificate of authenticity is included. So, <laughs> yeah, right. that's good of them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Not like you can fake this, but yeah. uh, I'm sure you can throw the rockets back in while you're taking off that riveted steel base to make it better fit your Honda. Uh, <laughs> As <laughs> Mar- you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Baker, the British company that originally made the seat, helpfully details the ejection process on its website. Uh, Pilot pulls the face screen seat firing handle. The canopy jettison is initiated. The ejection gun fires. Seat moves up the guide rails, and the secondary secondary cartridges fire. Emergency oxygen is tripped. Aircrew services disconnect. Leg restraints operate. As the seat rises, the static line initiates. 
Time delay, which fires a drogue gun after 0.5 seconds. As the seat rises, static line initiates time release unit 22 inches in diameter, then 5 feet diameter drogues stabilize and slow the seat. Which would make a great placard for that Honda. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, indeed. Uh, it's, uh, it's a slightly frightening looking photograph there that we're looking at on <laughs> yeah, the that story. Was one of I mean, the F-16. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't want that to, um, you don't want to hit your head on that, that um, canopy. That canopy is, oh, I think is, the, the canopy blows off first, actually. Oh, so, okay. All right. uh, let's see. So it weighs 495 pounds. Uh, probably will upset the, ba- upset the balance of your car handling. It does cost $19,500. How much? Yep. Um, <laughs> which is probably more than your CRX is worth. <laughs> right. Possibly. Uh, yeah, yeah, could but be they say, issue. is $19,500 too high a price to pay for the ultimate in automotive safety? If you see a crash coming, you can just hightail it out of there. <laughs> Uh, if 19500 is too much, uh, Boeing will sell you a $12,500 version. Uh, or if you want to gamble with your life, you can get one from an old Polish jet for only $9,000 on eBay. <laughs> oh, no. And that one still has the parachute attached. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's not going to cause any carnage on the roads whatsoever. Uh, are, yeah. are people actually considering fitting these to cars? I, I, just, I just can't get my head around I, it. I don't know about cars, <laughs> but I know there's a lot of home uh, cinema, uh, flight simmers yeah, that yeah, would, yeah, would love to have an yeah, F4 no, phantom point. seat. Yeah, yeah no, I'll give you that. Yeah. Apparently, Lane, uh, Lane Street in the chat room said that Steph is already measuring up her Jeep. I don't, I don't doubt that in. for a minute. No, uh, and that Shorty Crosgrove, actually, that's a good point. He doesn't want to end up like Goose. <laughs> oh, no. Poor <laughs> Goose. Poor it's goose. too soon. It's too soon. You've got us in the film Top Gun to get that bit. Oh, okay. That'll, yeah. be, that'll be me out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You're telling me you haven't seen Top Gun? Um, I've got it in 3D here as well. In 3D? Yeah. My mind is blown right now. We're, we're going to have I, to have a home. No, I remember the theme. You know, the do, 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 You need to see the film. Okay. Well, for Steph's Jeep, this would be perfect because I think they already come with T-tops. So the ejection seat would punch right through the top. Oh, very good. Yeah, good. Oh, my God. Look, let's upset the chat room. Oh, is it? Lane Street is saying, Matt hasn't seen Top Gun? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the, the chat room and I think it's, it's, it just dropped from 25 to 9 right. viewers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. I've ruined the show, everyone. Well, Still uh, not the first time, let's be honest. In a few weeks' time, uh, everyone, Matt <laughs> yeah. is going to be looking after the house here. No, I'm not looking uh, after the house. I'm looking after Poppy Cat. Ten da- well, the house will be, be looking after you yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for 10 Absolutely. days and I will make sure I leave that to DVD Did on you the say side. you've got a 3D I, version? With the 3D oh, wow. glasses. Okay. So Matt right. can watch okay. it Can I just 3D? make a list of movies that Matt needs to watch? I mean, well, it has while to be you're a, away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It has All to right. be like Top Gun, Air America. Airplane, Air America, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Iron yeah, Eagle. Iron Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Iron Eagle. Yeah. Dr. Oh. Steph is saying, yes, it would work great. Get, sorry, getting back to topic. Uh, Dr. Steph is saying, yes, that would work well on the cheap. And, and every single other message, literally every single other message, other than saying goodbye to Mariana, is about how <laughs> Bye, Mariana. I need to... Um, I, I need to. Oh, I have uh, Tony, uh, Tony saying you have to now throw me out of the studio. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, okay. hot shots. Where's that ejection seat now? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hot hot shots. shots. Oh, no, that was the, I saw the spoof one. I mm, saw the spoof. Hot one. shots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pushing. Tin. I think there only is a spoof version of hot shots. 
Oh, no, no, I'm, the, 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 I mean as in, because the Hot Shots was a spoof version of Top Gun. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, for a second, I thought you were saying Hot Shots, the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe Hot Shots yes. Part 2, yes, the spoof yeah. version. My, yeah, 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 you know, uh, uh, what's, what's his name? Um, oh, what, what's the one that got into trouble? Um, he used to do... He used oh, to do, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Sheen, because he used Charlie to do Sheen, Two and a Half yeah. Men, I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah, he's famous for his documentary making, obviously. Uh, that, that, that's, that's where we go. Yes, all right, yes, I uh, yes, I... Uh, yeah, no, they, they, they do. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I will correct 500 lines. Oh, right, Richard Adams was suggesting I now have 500 lines to write out. I must, <laughs> I must watch Top Gun. Okay. Oh, the red, okay. The red I stuff. I had no idea movie. that I, I, could, I could accidentally open such a massive can of worms. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> moving on, while Matt gets his textbook signed. Neil Landwell says it's a movie with planes in it. Of course we like it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the next story uh, doesn't involve Top so, Gun. Somebody save me, please. And uh, the next story is on. The yeah. Actually, all jokes aside, while Carlos is away on holiday, if anybody would like me to leave a list of films that I need to have, uh, if you could send them to Carlos, the please email the show. Send them to Carlos; he will download them ready for me to watch. And then, I, I already have them. So. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, they've got planes in them, of course. Anyway, sorry. Uh, on 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 onwards. Yeah, onwards. The, the, uh, <laughs> the next story oh, is on the Forbes dot com website, is and um, we were talking a few weeks ago about the A three eighty, and kind of it is uh, kind of well. Not coming to an end, but it's slowing down and not doing as well as uh, Airbus would probably have hoped. But uh, the headline on here on Forbes.com is that the first Airbus A380 jumbos head for the scrap heap. Oh, dear. So the Airbus A380, the largest, most capacious advanced long-range jet in jet, in jet history is that your so attempt far? trying to be sultry? And, and, right, okay. So, so far, Failed. the 555-seat <laughs> plane, which can seat up to 800 passengers, theoretically, uh, is possible as well, is also one of the safest. Yet, if it were a person, the big plane might exclaim, uh, like a late comedian Rodney Dangerfield, I don't get no respect, no respect at all. For example, no American carriers fly the A380, none have ever have, and the A380 entered commercial service with lead customer Singapore Airlines just 11 years ago. Yet two of the first A380s in service are apparently already destined for the scrap heap. Singapore Airlines got the aircraft back in 2007 on a 10-year lease from Dr. Peters, a German aircraft leasing company. At the end of the lease, the aircraft were repainted and returned to Dr. Peters during the last quarter of 2017. So they were stored at an airfield in the French Pyrenees while the company made a concerted effort to find a new operator. Unfortunately, despite reports that the aircraft were banned for a Portuguese operator, High Fly, the buyer has not been found. After extensive as well as intensive negotiations with various airlines such as BA, High Fly, Iran Air, Dr. Peters Group has decided to sell the aircraft's components and will recommend this approach to its investors. The German firm told Reuters on Monday. The fate of the A380's cannibalization for spare parts um, is on the cards. So there have been uh, many issues with the A380 program, but perhaps the most fundamental is, does anyone really need a 555-seat jumbo jet? Yes. The aircraft is expensive (laughs) to buy, filled with passengers, and in 1995, long before the first prototype had uh, flown, and uh, it was asked if there would ever be enough concentrated airline traffic to make a new super jumbo, an economic proposition. 
Uh, for as far back as the 1990s, aviation experts debated, uh, debated whether the future would uh, favour hub-and-spoke or point-to-point travel airline networks. In the hub-and-spoke model, hordes of passengers would fly to a giant hub airport like Chicago or Atlanta, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth in the US, or Frankfurt, Heathrow and Dubai internationally. Uh, then they were dispersed to different gates to fly smaller aircrafts to their ultimate destination. It's a bit sad, really, that uh, the thought think that uh, you know they're going to start parting out these A three eighties. I mean, I mean, imagine we get, if we sort of saw one of these flown over to um, to the boneyards over in Arizona and stuff yeah. for st- for storage. Yeah, right. which, um, I mean, there could be possibly one there. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's. It's a shame, but well, especially um, when it's only been in service for such a short such period, a short of, time, period of, time, of time. You, would, yeah. you know, when you think like seven four sevens and things, you know, some of them are twenty five, thirty years old and they're still in the air. You know, and we're talking about craft that are basically ten years old, and they're 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 I would with imagine the idea of doing away with these it. these uh, Singapore Airlines ones. I'd imagine these have been fairly well flow utilized utilized yes, yeah yes. i'd imagine the they worn out mileage clock yeah. would have got a few miles on on board. right nautical but miles nautical obviously miles, right. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah have you have you flown on the 380 yet i've never flown on a 380 no. i wanted to never have no okay okay it's a shame but obviously as we've said before in, in previous shows you know most airlines now prefer the slightly sort of smaller but good capacity yeah. uh, twin engine wide bodies such yeah. as the 350s triple seven seven eight sevens so, yeah, it's a shame, but there we it go. It is, yeah, agreed. So, next story. Yes, uh, the next Matt. story. This is on the armytimes.com website, and the headline is, The Army just paid uh, $1.5 million for an airliner. Now it's going to blow the plane up. <laughs> the Army is paying a private contractor nearly $1.5 million to fly a commercial airliner from somewhere in Saudi Arabia to a test facility in Maryland, just so that you can blow the plane up. Uh, in a contract finalised last week, Clear Sky Aviation, uh, LLC of Tuscan, uh, Arizona, agreed to deliver the Army a retired Saudi Arabian Airlines, airline, airlines Boeing 777-268ER jet to Aberdeen, uh, provi- prov- proving... Uh, proving ground, proving ground uh, in Maryland, according to a report by The Drive, uh, the plane will likely be used in testing called uh, Least Risk Bomb Location. The mm. Army conducts on behalf of the Department of Homeland Security. The report said the R the L R B L experiments are designed to show airlines crews airline crews the ideal place to toss an un detonated explosive to minimise damage on the plane and people on board. Wow, that's that's uh, very extreme. Aircraft makers are not required to conduct LRBL experiments themselves, so DHS works with the Army to do the testing. The Boeing 777 being used in the testing has been retired since August 2017. It has nearly 34,800 flight hours since rolling off the production line in 1998. The aircraft was shot on video landing in Geneva, Switzerland just two months before it was pulled out of service. The original Army contract requests calls for a 777 of any sub-series that could be pressurised to a representative level while on the ground for testing, uh, the report said Aberdeen Test Centre ATC is required to acquire and conduct commercial aircraft vulnerability testing in accordance with their um, 
with their agreement with the US Department of Homeland Security. An Army contracting document stated ATC intends to use the aircraft solely for destructive testing purposes and agrees that it will not allow the aircraft nor any of its component parts to be used on any other aircraft by any party. Uh, the 777 is set to arrive at Aberdeen in November. It is unknown when testing on the plane will commence. I saw a report um, on this story as well on another site, and they actually had kind of the, they had to have like a, a copy of the documentation that came with the sale of this aircraft. Yeah. And it's quite interesting to read it because they, although they brought the aircraft, quite a few of the major parts of the aircraft were not included in the sale. Right. So the engines uh, are going to be taken off and parted out. The APU, I think, was going to be taken out as well. But presumably, then, all they've got to do is pressurise the fuselage. That, yeah, that's actually, it, yeah. yeah, that is one of the, the yeah. pieces they did was part of the sale was a pressurisation unit. Yeah. Can you do um, that on the ground? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right, okay. Yeah, um, but there's like a few other little components and stuff like bits that obviously cost mm. quite a lot of money that they, they wasn't included in the sale once yeah. it's got to its destination where it's going to be um, trained on. Yeah, $1.5 million sounds like a lot, but it's really not for the shell of a 777 that, that you can pressurize. The, I think the, the research to do this is, is very important, especially as we have, you know, we've seen lithium-ion batteries, you know, thermal runaways, things like that. There's all kinds of companies trying to figure out how to contain yeah. any of these... These sort of explosions. And yeah, catastrophic like yeah, events. And air, yeah. aircraft are incredibly strong. Mm, uh, you know, we, resilient. I think it was back in the 80s that Aloha Airlines 737 yeah, that... Yeah. That landed back in in Hawaii with mm. with a third of the fuselage yeah. missing, and and it, it flew yeah. right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think if you if you do some kind of research like this to to mitigate that mm. risk, it's uh, I think it's important. To Definitely do the way forward. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So moving on to the next story, and this one is uh, is for you, Orlando. All right. Well, everybody's got to hang on for this one. Uh, <laughs> Trust us to give you the shiny <laughs> the story. Best. Only yeah. the best stories. Yeah. So this is from... Are you spoiling our guests again, Carl? Thrillist. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I will replace some of the words in here, but essentially a woman who got splattered with flying poop from oh, an airplane says she got pink, pink eye. Oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> You and I need to have a word in our next production meeting. For the record, I did not pick this story. No, no. So, modern aircraft are prone to quirks. On occasion, a plane passing overhead might rain raw sewage onto unwitting people below. They're not supposed to, are they? They're supposed to have like tanks like a well, caravan we get, and stuff. Well, we get an explanation later. Oh, okay. Uh, a 53-year-old woman in British Columbia, Canada, says she and her son were pelted with feces that plummeted from yummy uh, through her car's sunroof, leaving her with a nasty case of conjunctivitis. Nice. Uh, in an interview with the Canadian press, Susan Allen called the experience devastating. Allen and her 21-year-old son, Travis Sweet, uh, were sitting at a stoplight when the incident occurred. <laughs> After the airborne poop made impact, uh, Allen says she looked up and saw the plane above them in the sky. She said the incident left her car inundated with sewage. The car next to Alan's was also hit by the rogue poop, uh, she told the paper. Uh, she says, I just want everybody to know that although this seems like a surreal type of story, this happened to me and my son. She right. shared that in a Facebook message <laughs> to the Canadian press. All we want people to know is that it was quite devastating to be covered in poop. poop. Yes. And I hope it never happens to anybody else. I mean, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, we've all been involved in incidents where perhaps stuff has been... But at least it's either yours or a very close friend, perhaps, uh, maybe even a small <laughs> child. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, it's completely random, like, so, you know... You <laughs> 
Hello. Yeah, the, the oh. chat room's got. To... Oh, is it right? I okay. think there's a couple episode titles in there. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Shorty Crossgrove, yeah. I think, has just got the um, the show title. Yeah, absolutely. Has he? Right. Okay. Shall I have a quick look? Shall uh, I? I think I, you should. Yeah. I will okay. skip ahead in the story to just say, uh, despite the nightmarish implications of Alan's experience, people do get splattered with. Uh, <laughs> falling parts from airplanes every year although occurrences are sparse <sighs> most of the time it happens with older aircraft manufactured in the 1960s and the 70s uh, thrillist learned earlier this year from alaska airlines maintenance operation or maintenance operations instructor mike miller as miller explained the process occurs when a leaky valve causes sewage to seep from the plane's waste tank onto the exterior <laughs> of the aircraft since the um drek is treated with cleaning fluid typically known as blue juice the oh. waste freezes at altitude, forming an icy substance. When the plane descends, the waste gets warmer and detaches from the aircraft, plummeting downward. Oh. Sometimes it results in what Alan describes as disgusting, degradating, demoralizing experience. Wow. Okay. So it has to be said that the chat room are busy doffing their cap to Shorty Cosgrove and his <laughs> well done, Shorty. Yeah. Yeah. That's the show title for this week. Yes, indeed. Well yes, done. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. So the uh, for, for, so for the show title for this week, if you, obviously you're watching this afterwards, you'll already know is she's my brown eyed girl. Uh, <laughs> Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Indeed, good old Van Morrison. Yeah, uh, winning. Um, yeah. Neil has said that yeah. it's uh, it could be said as being uh, extreme firebombing. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Thanks for that, Neil. As, anyway, as but, the guest host, I'll say, and moving on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, there Armando. Is, yeah, absolutely, thanks, yeah, thanks yeah, for that. Yeah. Uh, Neil Lamborn isn't impressed, however, Armando, because apparently you just made him spit his beer. <laughs> it's not good news. Uh, anyway, the next story um, is um, is not on that subject at all. It's uh, on oh, the, nice. uh, the traveler.com.au, and uh, the headline is A350 900. ULR or ultra long range. Mm. Uh, why only seven of the world's longest range airliner uh, or airline are being built? So mm. Airbus has seen widespread popularity for its newest A350 long haul aircraft, but only one carrier, Singapore Airlines, has found the need for the ultra long range version of the A350 that can fly almost ten thousand miles or eighteen thousand kilometers from New York City to Southeast Asia non-stop. Airbus completed the first test flight of the ultra-long-range version on April the 23rd this year as part of a certification program for the plane. It's building only seven of them right now for delivery this year, a tiny number when one considers the econo uh, economies of sale inherent to airplane manufacturing. The secret? Well, it turns out that it's not that much trouble to, uh, to uh, soup up this hot rod. The ultra long range doesn't require additional fuel tanks uh, over the standard uh, dash A A350-900, but instead uses additional space already available in the existing tanks to carry an extra 6,340 gallons of fuel to take its range to 9,700 nautical miles, uh, or 1,600 miles more than the standard 900. Airbus said the plane can stay aloft for more than 20 hours a time. Uh, they said it for us, it's really just a Dash 900. Maurice Lucas Ogina, uh, Airbus A350 marketing director, said on Thursday at an interview. Uh, she also said the only thing that is really specific for the ultra-long range is the additional fuel. And even on that, we're using the space we already have. It's really just a minor ev evolution of that system with additional piping and additional venting. The changes to make an A350-900 into an 
ultra-long range have no impact on the production lines in Toulouse, France, uh, Lucas Eugène added, with the uh, manufacturing time uh, the same for both versions. Airbus aims to churn out 10 A350s a month by year's end and currently has 832 orders for the A350 family. Singapore's purchase of just seven of the ULR variants is part of a larger order of 67 A350s, a sizable request from a 40-year customer that makes an any uh, extra customization work palatable for a supplier. Singapore also flies the A380, A330 and is a past customer of the Airbus A340, A310 and A300. The carrier plans to receive the aircraft later this year and commence its non-stop flights from Singapore to New York on October the 11th, landing at Newark Liberty uh, International Airport. The airline also plans to use the plane to fly non-stop to Los Angeles. The carrier flies the A350-900 on its current non-stop route to San Francisco, a flight of almost 17 hours. Now, I haven't uh, yet flown on the 350, although I think when we fly a long haul next year, I'm going to try and make it so we pick an airline that uses the A350, just just to see what it's like, because I've flown a Dreamliner. Mm. thought the Dreamliner was really good, um, but it would be interesting to see just how good the A350 is. Yeah, I'll give it to Airbus for doing the, uh, you know, some of these special projects with the uh, trying to fit a niche market somewhere. But, uh, you know, if Singapore does well with it, then somebody else might pick it up also. Indeed. Actually, before we uh, move on to uh, the next story, I just want to uh, just want to show you an actual picture here. Apologies that I'm I've got, I've got the bar on the top here, but uh, we, we've received an email while we've been doing the show here. And uh, this is from uh, Richard. Um, if you just go in the email, Carlos, you can actually right. get his full name because I was just trying to grab it. But uh, that's quite cool. <laughs> we're be- we're being watched on his little um, fire tablet by the look of it. But uh, he's been he's just finished painting this apparently. Oh wow, that is, is so cool. Is that a remote control? I, 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 type well, I think then. it's a, either that it's either that or it's a very large tablet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with a radio control. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably a radio control thing. How yeah. cool is that? I love that. He just finished pr- spraying it. Apparently, I like so the colour. By the way, yeah, Richard, absolutely, that's fantastic. Awesome fantastic. Love the colour. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, so thanks for emailing that in. Uh, it's uh, that's the joys of live, isn't it? You see, this is it. Yeah, it's. Oh, I love it. So next story then, Matt. It's oh. uh, on <laughs> the mirror. It is indeed, website. and this is an Emirates story again. And it's good news actually for people who want to. Indeed, yeah. Hall, Emirates yeah. launched summer sale uh, with incredibly cheap flight deals to Dubai, Bali, Cape Town and Perth. So Emirates Airline has slashed the price of flights to the Middle East, Asia, Africa and Australia. Holidaymakers looking for cheap travel deals can pick up incredibly low-priced economy fares to popular get getaway getaway <laughs> destinations, including Dubai, Bali and Cape Town in the sale, which kicked off today. Bookings must be made at emirates.com by the 29th of June 2018, and most sale flights are valid for travel between June 2018 and spring 2019. So this is the perfect opportunity to secure some sun somewhere exotic later on in the year. Or book a last-minute summer trip for the coming months. The sale included plenty of tempting deals on economy-class fares. We've spotted some flights from London Gatwick to Dubai from only £349 per person and flights from Manchester to Perth at £699. That's insanely cheap. That really is insanely cheap. There's a new look 
Uh, so there's also a new UK route from London Stansted to Cape Town, which costs uh, from £649 per person. And sail fares can also be booked for Emirates' new Edinburgh route, which um, launches on the 1st of October 2018. Uh, the sale also includes a number of discounted business class fares too, including flights from Birmingham to Bali from just £2,679 and Edinburgh to Johannesburg from £3,009 pounds which when you're talking about business class is really really good value um so yes that's basically the 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 upshot of it is emirates have got a bit of a sale on which is uh, a good airline to to you know if if you could take advantage of one of those sales you definitely want to be you definitely want to choose emirates i mean i I, me me and Gemma love dubai we we go back quite a lot yeah absolutely (coughs) love dubai as a a destination Mm -hmm. i think if anyone's gonna you know have a have a a sample of something pretty out there dubai yeah. is a good place to go while you're doing the story matt i was just looking on emirates website and yeah. just done a done a booking for for me oh right um, okay. to fly, to fly <laughs> you out. never take me with you these I'm days carlos <laughs> i'm so upset okay so so to fly out to fly out to dubai i mean this is for next week so it's it's fairly sort of right. short okay. notice really but um which some of the airlines ramp the prices up when you leave it yeah yeah absolutely minute. to the last minute but if i was to fly out from london stansted here in the uk to dubai next saturday in economy which is perfectly good with the uh, emirates trust me um it would be it would come in just under 500 pounds return wow which that is, cheap. is yeah. you know is not bad considering no, really, where no you're it going. really isn't no um but uh, business class price um uh, flying out would probably set you back just over um what's that uh just over three grand really yeah, just over three thousand pound for business wow. class but uh, no, I mean less than five hundred quid, you know, for mm. for return flight really to Dubai is really good. I think from it, is a, it is definitely yeah. a bargain. Yeah, I'm just glad the Emirates website doesn't have one click ordering like Amazon yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we, otherwise we'd all be going yeah. to Dubai. We'd already be en route. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, for the last story, do you want to? Uh, oh, you, do I wanna... I will yield to you, sir. Oh, okay. Mm. So the last story oh. this week, then it's actually a top ten because we haven't had a top ten for a little while, and Sorry, uh, this. That's looking panicked all of a sudden. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> and it's on. This one is on the cnbc.com website. And um, there's there's two top tens. We're going to spoil it this week, actually. Are you right? Um, so we've got okay. um, the top ten of airlines and top ten of airports. Now this was a survey that was done um, by. I'm just going through. It was done by a, a, a company called Air Help. Right. Okay. And yeah. um, they have done a massive survey across uh, across the kind of board as such, mm. and um, they've looked into obviously the various bits that look at what makes an airport and the airlines uh, work really well. Obviously, service of passengers and yeah. all the other bits and delays and this, that, and the other. So we are going to start the top ten. This is the top ten airlines, right? According okay. to Air Help. So we're going to start uh, Amanda. If you want to take number ten. Uh, number 10 is Virgin Atlantic from the United Kingdom. Really? Number yeah. 10. And at number 9, it's the best airline in the world, Air Malta. Uh, in at number 8, please, ladies and gents. Oh. It's <laughs> There's only two of you. <laughs> it's I'm the lady. Qantas. <laughs> it's Qantas Airlines from Australia. It's number seven. Number seven. It's okay if you go into Greece. It's Aegean Airlines. Oh dear. Number six. Number six is 
Austrian Airlines. Very good, very good. It is middle for diddle. It's number five. Number five. It's South African Airways. In at number four, it's our highest new entry this week. And we just heard a story about them. Singapore Airlines. In at number three. Number three, Etihad Airways. Uh, UAE. It didn't quite make it to the top of the charts. It's number two. Uh, airline I've flown quite a bit is Lufthansa ah, from Germany. Very good. And it is number one. And if you love Bullseye and most of the Americans have never heard of it, but it's a in one. It's the airline <laughs> that we love to pronounce here on the show. Oh, it's no. Qatar, 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 Qatar. Yeah. Where Qatar. is where is Grant when you need him? Qatar. <laughs> it's the it's the airline beginning with Q. Q. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only one. airline that begins with Q. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. we're going to move on with the next um, the next top ten. Yeah. And oh, uh, okay. the next top ten. This one is uh, the top ten. Airports, right? Okay. So, if you're ready, Matt. No, no, I'm not. I pressed the wrong button. Here we go. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, here we go. In at number ten. At number ten, it's Mariscal Sucre International Airport. I love in the fact. Quito, that, I love Ecuador. the fact that I've just got numbers to That's say. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Mariscal Sucre. It's, oh, oh. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. in at number nine, it is Recife Guararapes International Airport yeah, from actually, Recife, Brazil. You, <laughs> you screw you talking for the rest of the show, Armando. Number seven, please. Number uh, eight, sorry. Number eight, <laughs> it's. Amman Queen Alia International Airport in Amman, Jordan. And how should that have been said? <laughs> Thumbs up. Right, okay. <laughs> Number seven. Uh, it is Vega Copos International Airport from Campinas, Brazil. It's number six. Number six, it's Jibu Centre International Airport in Ooh, Nagoya, Japan. Japan. Yeah. It's middle for diddle. It's number five. It is, again, Singapore Changi International Airport in Singapore. It's number four. Number four, it's Cologne Bonn in airport in Cologne Bonn, Germany. Ooh, in at number three. I can attest to this one. It is a very nice airport. It is Haneda Airport in Tokyo. It's our highest new entry, number two. The Greece are back again. It's Athens International Airport in Athens, Greece. And just because I enjoyed doing it like that last time, it won. <laughs> it is, uh, once again, Qatar in the lead, Hamad International oh. Airport. Good old Qatar. And there you go, then. Yeah, that was the good. top ten by uh, by the air, uh, was it air. Come on, you're a DJ. You know how to do this know, fading thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've had lots of practice. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason Qatar, 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 <laughs> the Q, the big Q. Yeah. So the reason they came in first place was due more to its timely departures and arrivals, along with its efficient claims processing system, according to Air Help. The airline CEO made headlines recently when he suggested that a woman couldn't do his job. Oh, perhaps that won't make him top ten or number. No, I don't think, well, not, well, not for long, anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, oh, dear. That was fun. That was indeed, absolutely. Actually, it says here that uh, apparently no American airline made it into the top ten. United and Delta really? were so far down the list, so uh, sorry Gosh. about that, guys and oh, girls. That's, that's a bit of a shock. Yeah. That is a bit of a shock. <laughs> 
So that brings the commercial news segment to a close on the show. We've uh, got uh, a very special uh, little bit coming up for you next. I'm just going to give Matt time to... Okay, what, what am I loading up? Sorry, to, I haven't got the show notes in front of him. He hasn't got the show notes in front of him. <laughs> so coming up next... Well, no, we'll, I'm busy doing, an, a Nevs, I'm busy doing a, a, a PIPs uh, PPE like on the fly, all right? <laughs> so coming up next, uh, yeah, as you remember, okay. a few weeks back, me and uh, Nev oh, went to right, Bruntingthorpe, okay. <laughs> and uh, we had an incredibly good day there, obviously because we met Armando as well right, there. Of course. We had a good chat with Armando. But we did do some really good interviews there on the day with, uh, with various... Uh, awesome pilots and various people mm. with the aircraft and this is the first of the interviews that we took on the day and this one uh, was actually with one of the guests we had on the show uh, not so long back and this was with uh, neil lamwell on the super guppy so here it is indeed and just before that we have a little bit of an intro involving carlos and nev so we're here then at the uh, cold war jets day at bruntingthorpe and uh, we've uh, managed to meet up with jonathan warner hello jonathan hello carlos and uh, I take it you're, you're not a, a newbie to this, are you? No. I've been about ten times, maybe more. Really? Yeah. And you're intending on coming again in August? More than likely, if <laughs> I get a pass to come. <laughs> so what have we got to look forward to, Dane? Uh, we've got start off with a VC-10, probably the loudest of the day, biggest of the day. Uh, lightnings on full afterburner, buccaneers, a couple of jet trainers like the Iskra Jet and the L-29. I think they end with a victor as well. Oh, looking forward to all that. Then the weather has actually uh, turned out to be quite nice today as well. Yeah, so far so good. Sunny. I think the, the rest of the UK has been ravaged by thunderstorms for the last uh, 24 hours. But Yeah, sadly <laughs> they all avoided my camera sat at the window last night. They all went north and south of me and not over. I was disappointed with that. So you can probably see behind us actually, you might be able to see in the camera shot, the VC-10 just off to uh, behind Jonathan's left-hand uh, shoulder there. And uh, just next to that is the Victor Tanker, which is just off to the left of the VC-10. So hopefully we're going to get uh, a chat with the guys who look after those aircraft later on. Nev is also here, not forgetting Nev, because Nev's also here. There he is. Hello, Hello. Nev. Yes. That was quite a uh, difficult journey in, wasn't it? Uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was the last of the, uh, last of the trio in today. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I did read the message that Nev had sent me saying that the marshalling here... Uh, car park marshalling was a little bit um, dodgy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't their best effort, I don't think. Uh, but it was made up for uh, by the aircraft that you saw on the way in. <laughs> yes. For those of you who follow us on Facebook, we'll probably notice a few pictures of some TriStars that are now on the uh, on the page there at Facebook. So, uh, but uh, it's good to see those, and uh, hopefully they'll be flying off to the US soon at some point. So, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, Nev. We've got uh, interviewing to do and uh, various bits and I'm pieces. I'm just hoping uh, the weather's going to play ball. It's all right at the moment, but uh, we've had uh, quite a few thunderstorms overnight, so we'll see how we get on. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a great day. It's my first time at Bruntingthorpe, actually. And mine as well. Uh, so, and mine as well. Uh, looks like uh, now we're here, uh, we're going to have a nice job, I think, definitely. So, Excellent. Yeah. So uh, before we uh, cut this uh, quick off, before we rush off to go and interview someone... Uh, Jonathan, you're also famous for taking sort of two or three photographs at air shows. Uh, are we going to try and bring it below the 10,000 today? Point this year? Yeah, I've, I've got almost everything here, so it's like it'll be a case of playing with a new camera gear. Oh, new camera? Yeah, new Ooh. toys. Ooh. So I, I take it you're, uh, you're leading with the cannons? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. 
exactly. Because I think be uh, Captain Nick is a, is a Nikon man. No, oh, he's no, no. Oh, is he, oh, is he yeah, Canon? He's Canon. Oh, he's yeah, Canon as well. Yeah. Excellent. But, uh, photography is a bit like a musician. that You can't just have one guitar. You've got to have, you know, oh, four or six or, or more, you know. so uh, The but, more the better. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, the uh, more the better. Yeah, looking forward to it, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, you turn out some very nice stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to the pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it. We're going to wrap up now and uh, cut back to some more. See you later. Hello, I'm back again, and uh, Nev's behind the camera this time, and uh, we've uh, been lucky enough to get up towards, or right next to, the Super Guppy. Now, those of you who listened to the show a few weeks back might remember we had uh, Neil Lanwan on the show, and uh, Neil is uh, one of the guys who helps to look after and maintain this awesome bird behind us here. And uh, as you can see, Neil is he's just over to our left there. He's, got, he's uh, showing various people around the aircraft. Hopefully we'll be getting on board this very soon. But uh, it's really awesome to be up and close to the Super Guppy. This, this, you cannot honestly see through the, uh, through the camera, I think, but how big this aircraft is. Um, but uh, obviously for info on the aircraft, don't forget to take your back, souls back to, I think it was hmm, two or three weeks ago we had Neil on the show and uh, he gave us a good rundown of what this aircraft uh, is about and what it does. But uh, hopefully in a few minutes we'll be able to go on board the aircraft and uh, hopefully get a chance to speak to Neil again. Uh, he's busy doing his job, as uh, so we, sh we shouldn't really uh, disturb him really. But uh, no, we've just had a really great time on the flight line watching uh, some uh, smaller L29 uh, jets do fast taxi runs. Uh, coming up later, we've got the Comet which is going to be doing a taxi run. Those of you who remember the Comet uh, passenger aircraft from many years ago, this one is one that works uh, just for the Royal Air Force, and that Comet's going to be doing a taxi run later on this afternoon, so we'll be able to get some video footage of that. And, uh, well, that's really all about it, really, so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get on board this guppy in just a moment. So we've seen the aircraft from the outside. We're now inside on the flight deck, and uh, we're going to welcome back onto the show Neil Lamborn. Hello, Neil. Hello. Nice to see you. And, uh, it's uh, nice to see you wearing the appropriate uh, uh, wear for the show. He's got his plane talking. You go. Oh, brilliant! Honestly, it's uh, it's all good to see the uh, see the logo on display there. So, Neil, how's things going so far then for you at the show? Uh, very well, very well. It's it's really actually very good to be up at this end. Uh, we're right in the middle of the whole crowd, so we've got a steady stream of people coming. Uh, and we've got obviously a fantastic view of, of all of the action, as you can no doubt hear. I must say, when we walked on board the aircraft, Neil, I think both me and uh, Nev were taken back just how huge this aircraft really is inside. It's it's pretty much the first thing that everybody comments on, um, because when you stand when you're down on the ground, all you can see is is halfway up the bulge. So when you get inside, you really see the full height, the full length and it, it amazes I and mean, we still get amazed we still walk in sometimes and actually look at it and almost with with fresh eyes sometimes definitely also i noticed neil on the flight deck here there's uh, you've even got some uh, beds there if you, in case uh, you need to uh, camp out the night you can uh, people have done i haven't done it myself yet um i wouldn't have wanted to do it last night i think it was rocking quite a lot but yeah you can do it so uh, yeah, pretty comfy, so I'm told. So Neil, uh, we've spoke, had you on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, have, has anything else happened with the uh, aircraft since we spoke to you last? Uh, more painting, more cleaning. Um, we've got uh, ourselves a nice little generator now, so we can run uh, jet washers, 
off that. So cleaning moss, cleaning algae, uh, all the glamorous jobs. Excellent. So any particular aircraft that you're, uh, you're looking forward to seeing doing the, uh, the taxi runs today then at the show? I always like to watch the Victor. Um, it's got a shape. I think out of a 1950s sci-fi movie um, I think it's absolutely amazing to watch um, and it's you know it's got the noise it's got the power uh, it's got the looks for me excellent well, I must say this this is amazing we are like I said we're on the flight deck of the guppy and uh, I have to say there's so much room I mean there's there's seating positions behind where Nev is there's obviously seats where Neil is seats behind there it's it's probably one of the larger flight decks that I've been on and um, I must say, Neil, it's it's you know really well you know well looked after. You know it's it's amazing how much of the aircraft you know you've still got all intact. It almost looks as if you could probably you know with engines hop in here and uh, and go for a flight. Yeah, you almost could. Um, this is pretty much how it was. I mean, it's the flight deck really uh, is out of straight out of a Strata cruiser. So you're going back to. 40s, 50s era. Um, NASA still fly theirs. Theirs has got a glass cockpit, so it looks a lot more modern than this does. But you know, you've got everything you need, really. Four of everything, obviously, as we've got four engines. So a lot of dials, but really not too complicated. But we do our best. Um, we get fill in holes where we can, uh, get authentic instruments if we can't get the originals. Uh, it's Great. So you obviously to, during a day today you've got uh, donations from people coming on board which I guess is really helping towards the upkeep of the because obviously this is all purely you know run as we said before on the show through donations and through you know, help from yourselves and people like yourselves so that does obviously yeah. help to, uh, to restore and keep the aircraft. Completely yeah I mean without, without the donations that we get on days like this we couldn't do we couldn't do it you know uh, it's it's funny really to say but paint and paint rollers that kind of thing masking tape simple little things like that um, are really our bread and butter you know that's that's where the vast majority of what we get goes um, you know we do we do well out of these days but uh, it all goes into what you can see yeah on an aircraft this size I'd imagine Neil that once you've started at the front of the aircraft and then made your way to the back. By the time you're at the back, yeah. it's ready to start at the front again. It's like that. It's it's a fourth bridge job. <laughs> we always say. Uh, I mean, you can see when you go around. You know, the, the yellow at the front is not always the same as the yellow at the back. Uh, you know, you get the paint ages, and that's if you can get the same colour paint that you used three years ago. Um, but it's, it's being outside, you suffer like any other restoration project does with the weather. So cleaning, just constant cleaning really, yeah, keeps us busy. Well, we're going to uh, wrap up then because there's lots of people who are waiting to get on, sitting where me and Never sitting here. Uh, but we're going to thank, uh, thank you, Neil, for letting us on board the uh, Super Guppy today. It's been great to be up here on the flight deck. My first time, and I'm sure it's been Nev's first time as well on the, on the Super Guppy. So uh, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23 hour Manchester Wizz Air 6X Client Flight Level 210 Direct to Brooklyn's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 flight simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. That was such an awesome day. Oh, the 200th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can I just say it again? I mean, Nev amazes me with his incredible... T- nice muff again, by the way. Uh, but um, uh, can I just say, the, ca- the, 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 the work that, Ed, that Nev has done in, in that is just incredible. The quality yeah. is off the chart. I, I'm loving this. Thank you so much, Nev. I'm so pleased. Yeah, well done, Nev. Me. Yeah, absolutely the legend that is. Anyway, so And Nev, Nev, actually, he's, um, he's having a little... Because a few people have been wondering where Nev is this week. Mm. So Nev's having a bit of time off. He is. Um, this mm. week, we've gi- we've given him leave because he's earned uh, he he's earned some days holiday. He has, yeah, absolutely. Um, paid leave, uh, paid leave, and but, but uh, big pardon. <laughs> <laughs> so Nev's having I wasn't having present for that meeting. <laughs> Nev's having some uh, some uh, alone mm. time with uh, Mrs. Nev. What is wrong with you? Why would you do it honestly? No, they're having a having a having a nice day together, doing right. doing out, outside okay. things mm-hmm. in the banana. Anyway, moving on, we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Nev, if you're listening, that was Matt read, read all read all the, uh, did, did the script yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, he reads the show notes. Obviously, he does every time. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to uh, we have got some military news stories to go through. Oh, I suppose you want me to do that. As we've well, got a segment from yeah. uh, Pip as well, and some other bits to get through uh, before we finish. So yes. we uh, we're going to go with some military news. So if everyone's ready, we certainly are. Yes, ready. Let's hey, go. Let's go. Thank you. 
So the first news story is on the bbc.co.uk mm-hmm. website. And a uh, bit of a scary one, this. This is uh, Microlite in near-miss with two Royal Air Force Herculeses in Somerset. So a Microlite aircraft was almost hit by two low-flying Royal Air Force transport planes because it was too small to show on their radar. No, really? said. The UK Air Prox Board, which investigates near-misses, said it happened at uh, Brown Shutters Farm Airfield in Somerset on the 10th of January. Another pilot who witnessed the incident from the ground told the board it was blinking close. Right. Uh, Airplocks <laughs> Broad said it had been much reduced uh, below the norm. The Pegasus Quantum pilot told investigators he had made all the standard checks before takeoff, but when he was at about 200 feet in the climb, he saw two Hercules C-130s flying in formation to his right. He said that within a few seconds he realised that they had not seen him and that he was forced to make a steep avoidance turn. The crews of the uh, C-130s, which were on a low-level training mission, told investigators they, they had not seen the microlight because it was too small to appear on their radar. The board related uh, or rated it as a second most co- uh, serious uh, Category B incident and recommended HQ Air Command reviews the education of military pilots with the respect to the avoidance of minor airfields. So a Royal Air Force spokesman said that we welcome all recommendations made by air proximity reports and do whatever we can to prevent them from happening again by ensuring that air safety remains at the core of our aviation activity. It should be noted that millions of uh, military and civil uh, civilian flights are made in the UK airspace each year with only a very small number of air proximity reports being made, of which even less identity that uh, identify that the safety of aircraft may have been compromised, underlining the pro- professionalism of commercial, military and private aviators. Uh, in a separate incident on the 26th of January, a military jet had a near-miss when it flew through a group of paragliders on Salisbury Plain near uh, Wiltshire. An Airprox board investigation said the cause was effectively a non-sighting by the Hawk pilot and recommended both uh, the paragliding club and Salisbury Plain training area refresh their LOAs, or Letter of Agreement. Uh, to cover the usage of the Bratton launch site and how that information is conveyed. So what do you reckon, uh, obviously, Armando, you, you do a lot of uh, training missions and stuff around the area. I mean, do you, you obviously, it's all uh, uh, VFR. Is it VFR flying for you? Um, so it's a little bit of both, right? And this kind of just goes to the congested airspace out here. However, this could also happen in uh, uncontrolled airspace, really anywhere in the world. There, there's a problem in that... Um, we, we don't have the ability to see gliders, so gliders use a, a system called FLUM. Uh, we, we don't have the ability to receive their version of a transponder. Uh, gyrocopters, microlites, um, a- any of those small aircraft, uh, we, we can't see them. And uh, and it's a problem because we're, when we're doing low level, even in a, in a C-130, you're, you're regularly doing over 200 knots at anywhere from two to 200 feet to 1,000 feet. Um, so if there is somebody out there it, it does kind of just kind of come on you quick there and you may have just a split second to avoid an aircraft um but it, it is mostly visual and it's uh there are right-of-way rules from EASA and the uh, CAA FAA but uh even those rules sometimes just can't uh prevent from two aircraft being in the same airspace mm. so so Armando we're on obviously we all know about flight radar 24 um, we've probably got the apps. Most of have got the apps on the phone. We use it to, to track aircraft that we can here in the UK and in the US. Um, 
and I've noticed recently that there are more and more gliders that have the the transponders, the ADS-B out, so we can, you can actually see them on Flight Radar 24. So you, it's not like you, you haven't got that kind of facility if, on the if C-130? The, if the aircraft does have a transponder and it does have ADS-B out, we have some systems that can uh, potentially see that, that aircraft, but most of those aircraft don't. They don't have a transponder, so so it's it's all the Mark One eyeball. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So moving that's on. A lot, that's a oh. lot of pressure in a very fast moving. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, piece of kit. Though, when you when it? you look at the when you I mean we've we've got a micro light school next door to where I work mm. at the airfield where I learned to fly, and you know when you see the micro lights in the air, they're not traveling all that fast. You know the mm. you know they, they it's very slow speed aircraft, and then you pitch that against a C one thirty, which is mm. traveling at Right, uh, about 250 miles per hour. And the, yeah. and the other problem is um, often we're flying at sunset or um, just kind of periods where it's not entirely mm-hmm. bright, and that's exactly when somebody's going out to fly their microlight after work. Yeah. True. So it makes it even more difficult to see those aircraft. I mean, what's the way around it, though? I mean, making sure that they're, they're detectable by... I mean, how, uh, how would you make them detectable? So paint it's, them red, So I think. So <laughs> there are... Uh, there's, it's kind of incumbent upon both of the air crews or the pilots. Uh, most of the routes are published. Right. So most of our low-level routes are published on some kind of chart or some kind of publication where it's really upon the uh, general aviation pilot to mm. know that, that so there's a potential. I say, forgive my naivety here because I, I seem to recall when we were at um, – I'm probably going to make myself look really stupid here, but I seem to remember when we were at Duxford because there was an issue involving NOTAMs, wasn't there? Because there was a GA pilot that had flown into the airspace of of what mm-hmm. had been reserved specifically for the the air show. I mean, is that what you're suggesting? Sort of a similar system, so it's to do with this NOTAMs thing, where you you know, so this area is cordoned off. You can't fly in that. So, uh, it, you know, like re- publishing the route that they're going to fly essentially, and say small aircraft go away yeah the 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 NOTAM is is an avenue to uh help mitigate some of that risk however Mm -hmm. as we're going to see in the next story the there's just so much military traffic that almost the best way to do it is just to say here's the routes that we fly Mm -hmm. here's the training areas um take extreme caution when you're flying in and around these training Mm -hmm. areas yeah it's yeah. it's always one of the things Amanda will probably agree with me on this in this area where we live, Matt. There's mm. so much GA oh, yeah. and, and yeah, small aviation around for you guys. You know, flying in, mm. in something as fast as you do, you've got then, to really be on your game. Uh, pre- presumably, again, this is again naivety talking here. Presumably, you're quite a bit higher most of the time than than, than your average GA. No, uh, actually, we're lower. Tell that to the Apache we're, pilot that flew over me. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no helicopters don't count. You know. <laughs> Uh, often we're actually lower uh, on oh, really? purpose, right? So okay. we're in that sort of two to two hundred foot to one thousand foot ab- right. above ground level, and uh, most GA is actually above a thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those mm-hmm. things. It's a it's a known problem. Now, one of the things that that we try to do, uh, and I know the RAF does this also, is they they have these sort of community mm-hmm. engagements where the safety offices from each of the bases will go out and meet with local aero clubs, yeah. gliding clubs, and say, hey, here's, here's the times that we fly, here's the areas that we fly. Um, just you keep an eye out for us, we'll keep an eye out for you, and it's sort of a gentleman's agreement. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But again, with everything moving so fast, I mean, you know, 
We need to have you on the show every week, Armando. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, every week. Okay, yeah, we'll, I think we'll he's got a busy We'll book him in for the, for the foreseeable, sadly, but uh, yes. So uh, moving on, Armando, the next uh, next story is uh, is for you. It's kind of two combined stories. Yeah, really, it, yeah. for the sake of time, we'll, we will combine them. And this is something that uh, uh, is for the tail watcher and the aviation enthusiast out here, in, in specifically the UK, the uh, long-awaited... Jonathan Warner. Yeah. Listen. Actually, I, I will give a shout-out to uh, Jonathan Warner, because uh, one of the stories is about the there's B-1 bombers uh, that have been operating in RAF Fairford. Um, they, they're doing exercises. They come out to Europe, and you know they're doing some of their training just like we were talking about. Yeah. The B-1 bomber is also a low-level aircraft. Wow. Um, so they uh, have been out there at RAF Fairford for a couple of weeks now, and I, and I think the RAF just said they'll, they'll be out there for another couple of weeks doing some exercises. The pictures from the tail watchers coming out, are amazing uh i mean and jonathan warner every week he posts new pictures and i think he just gets better and better and better every week and uh, he sent me some that that are just uh, they're frameable they're they're absolutely just high quality pictures of these b1s and full Mm -hmm. afterburner um and then the same thing with with the other story that we that we were going to read the uh, f-35 arriving at raf marham which is just down the street um yeah it's an amazing aircraft, right? I, I don't have a, a favorite military aircraft, but um, it, it's certainly loud. It, it puts on a good show, even just yeah. when it's doing uh, circuit training. And it's there's just amazing uh, pictures coming out from from these aircraft arriving in the UK. Yeah, I mean it, it, the whole thing. That just uh, you know, I'd say uh, if if you know how, if you know what you're doing and how to operate yeah. these things, I mean you yeah. can you can come up with some amazing bits of footage, really, can't you? It's uh, you know. I doth my cap to Mr. Warner. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, even when we were at the Brunty the other the other week at the show that there, you know, I was I did um, utilize Mr. Warner's uh, knowledge knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I will Absolutely. say. Yeah. yeah. So uh, sorry, he had yeah. to lend you a camera once. He did. Yeah, yeah. he did actually have to lend me a camera. <laughs> I, I have two now, but he did have to lend me yeah. a camera once. So uh, no, he, he does did. take some great pictures. Yeah, he but we do does. have. I mean, there's not there's Dan Hannington as well. Not forgetting mm, Dan, yeah, yeah. he takes yeah. some awesome pictures. And uh, we do have some really, really great photographers who are listeners of the show. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, very yeah, much. Very good. Very lucky. So we're going to bring uh, that military segment to a close. We are running out of time rapidly here to yeah. get all the bits and pieces we want to get in the show out to you today. But we have got... Uh, what have we got next, Matt? Well, I don't know. What do you fancy running next? I've got two options. <laughs> Should we leave it, leave it to the chat room to decide, shall we? Yeah, Let's give okay. the chat room the option. Right, so the options uh, yeah. for well, the we're, next so segment. We've got, we've got a segment. We've got number three from Peps. From Peps. Peps. From Peps PPP. PPP. So we've got, so we've got the P-P-P. choice of uh, a, uh, Pip's yeah. latest segment, or you mm. can have a segment uh, involving uh, the wonderful Mr. Smith here Indeed. and Owen and Jenny and Grant McCarran. Indeed. Uh, let's Let's go, let's go with Pip first, shall we? Let's, let's go. Oh, I don't know. You haven't let the oh, chat oh, right, room okay, say. Right. Everyone okay. says, um, oh, Pip, Pip, Pip. Right, okay. Pip, yeah, Pip. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling, yeah, that nobody will have any interest in the rubbish that I'm about to talk to you. So, yeah, okay. here we go. Here we go, then. It's time to welcome the legend that is Sir Pip onto the show. Plane safety from the flight deck with pilot Pip. Hi everyone, welcome to another PIPS pilot experience. Uh, well, it's been a week of high and lows, both uh, figuratively and quite literally. You join me now at the moment as I record this, uh, just taking 20 minutes to take a, a break from the cockpit. We're up at uh, 40,000 feet, yeah, somewhere just to the south of Paris, I think, 
um, heading up to London Stansted, just coming from Avignon in the south of France, and uh, positioning MT the aircraft up to Stansted where it's going to go in for a little bit of maintenance. Uh, a few minor snags just need putting right. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to uh, record this week's segment. And it's been a fun little week. There's, um, well, there's been some fun bits and there's been some uh, not so fun bits. Uh, at one point, I actually threw my company phone across the crew room into the wall. Uh, you know, I occasionally throw my toys out of the pram. But um, anyway, let me take you back. This is uh, day six of six. So I'm heading home once we've dropped this aircraft at Stansted. Well, day one started uh, fairly interestingly. Picked an aircraft up and we were due to fly. I'm struggling to remember. I think it was Madrid, if I remember rightly. And we had a problem with the environmental system. Again, you'll remember a couple of weeks ago I, I had some problems and we had to make a diversion due to the uh, bleed leak. Well, we had another problem uh, in a similar system, not a bleed leak, but immediately after engine starts, we had an ECS valve fail. An ECS stands for Environmental Control System, and it's just another part of the, the bleed air system bleed air that comes off the engines it's fed into the cabin for pressurization it's fed to the wings and horizontal stabilizer for anti-icing capability and various other bits and bobs um, but the ECS valve the environmental control system is that part which feeds air into the cabin for conditioned air and we had uh, the valve on I forget which engine it was now I think number two the valve had failed which is quite interesting I've never seen that before now, we did have a memo from Embraer not so long ago to say that they'd had a, a number of reports recently where the, the valve had apparently failed during the climb. And what it seems was happening was that in certain humid conditions that the air, as it's being passed through the system, it gets cooled down quite considerably. And it can actually uh, ice up a little bit, a bit like a carburetor does on your average Cessna or PA-28 aircraft carbureted engine. The temperature drop is the pressure of the air falls it can actually freeze, and any moisture in the air will freeze out as ice crystals, and that could uh, get stuck on the sensors or, or block the system. So they'd put a memo out to say, well, if this happens, then the best way to try and get around it is just to turn the temperature right up for a couple of minutes and, and to see if that clears the system. But that was for in-flight. Uh, but this was on the ground immediately after takeoff on quite a warm day, so we thought, mm, that's probably not what that is. This seems to be a genuine failure of that particular valve, the ECS valve. So we uh, went hunting through a document called the MEL, the Minimum Equipment List. And this is a document, all aircraft have one, which tells you exactly what equipment you need to have, what can be failed, what are the limitations of having that failed equipment. And we were having a look through this, and it turns out that we can dispatch with one side of the bleed system failed. But it was quite the way it was written was really quite confusing. There were two separate procedures that we could follow, uh, and it really wasn't clear which one was which. So we had to have a bit of a, a, an in-depth discussion with our maintenance department on the phone to work out exactly what was what. Now, I won't go into the details because it's really quite boring, but eventually we established that we could, in fact, dispatch, make the flight with that valve failed. But one of the limitations um, of doing so would mean we were limited to flight level 250, or in plain English, 25,000 feet, uh, which was a little unfortunate because that meant that our fuel consumption would be much higher and we didn't actually have enough fuel on board to do that. So we had to shut everything down again 
and uh, put some more fuel, which meant we missed our slot and we ended up being really quite delayed. Uh, but eventually we, we got that one sorted out. And I do like, in a way, those uh, sorts of situations because it's a really good learning experience, actually, where you have to get your head into the books and really uh, think through and understand the systems. You know, it's all very well when we do the training for the initial rating to, to read the books and, you know, some of it goes in if you're lucky, but it doesn't always really kind of make 100% sense. So when you really see it in real life situations, I find it quite useful just to cement that knowledge. Um, anyway, so we got airborne and we're heading down to, I think it was Madrid, but actually, I guess someone in maintenance uh, changed their mind because just as we reached the top of the climb at 25,000 feet, we heard, got a call on the bat phone to say uh, they wanted us to divert into Paris to get the aircraft fixed. So that's what we did. Ended up in Paris for the night. Uh, so that was excitement number one. Uh, then, well, actually, in a way, it seemed at the time at least that that was going to turn out to be rather fortuitous because our plan then was, let me think, the following day I just grabbed uh, an airline, a BA business class ticket, thank you very much, from Paris back up to Heathrow. Very nice. And then the day after, we were scheduled to fly from London to Athens, which is widely regarded to be one of our top night destinations. The Margie Hotel we stay at there is just gorgeous. Beautiful um, five-star hotel with a lovely swimming pool and lovely weather and all the rest of it. And then from there, we were going to fly across and spend the night in Amman in Jordan, which would have been fab. I've never been there before. So uh, I was really looking forward to that. But I was also highly suspicious because nice things don't happen to me. Uh, I'm always suspicious when I see a nice plan like that. Usually, more often than not, it changes to something else. But, uh, you know, uh, the plan seemed to stick. We The following morning, we came out, we prepared the aircraft, we filled in all the paperwork. I thought, oh, this is looking really good. We might actually end up going to Athens and then Jordan. But then right at the last minute, <laughs> the phone rang. Ring, ring, ring. Our scheduling department on the phone. Oh, no, that, that's all cancelled now. We just want you to position the aircraft, um, short positioning hop to another London airport. And uh, I'm ashamed to say, dear listeners, that <laughs> I got really quite annoyed at that. Like, oh, God damn it. And that's when I ended up throwing my phone in frustration across the crew room. And you might think that that sounds very spoilt of me. And um, you'd be absolutely right. It is. <laughs> But there you go, I can't help that. So, unfortunately, no hot, sunny destinations for me. But uh, where did we go? We actually ended up going into RAF Northolt, which is just to the north of Heathrow, which is quite a, a fun little airport to go to. We actually go there quite a lot. It's, it's quite a trendy airport to go into, actually. Um, there's limited slots in there every year. I'm not sure how many thousands they have, but um, we as a company at SafeJets have the majority of those slots. So, uh, and we're kind of careful about who we, we dish them out to because they're quite valuable to us. Uh, so anyway, we ended up going across to London Northolt, which is good fun. They were using runway 07 on that particular day. Uh, and there's no instrument approach onto runway 07. So we got to fly the PAR, the Precision Approach Radar Approach, or also called a CGA, Ground Controlled Approach. It's basically where a radar controller on the ground, he, he talks you down the approach onto the runway. And that's good fun. That's something that most pilots, I suspect, don't get to do uh, very often, if, if at all. 
Uh, on the Hawker, we used to go to Northup quite a lot, so I probably do, I don't know, half a dozen, maybe a dozen of those a year. doesn't seem like on the Fenham we go there quite as much, uh, but still, it's good fun. Um, and it's good to keep those skills up, because you never know when you might just have to uh, fly a radar approach. And actually, um, once you've done it a couple of times, it's really extremely simple. You basically just do what you're told. The radar controller will give you headings to fly, and he'll give you corrections to fly, and he'll tell you when to start descent, and he'll tell you if you're a little bit low or if you're a little bit high. Uh, so you just do what you're told. Um, the easiest way to fly one of those, actually, I find, is with the autopilot on. You can just kind of sit hands off and just make the small corrections and monitor everything. And it's really quite good. And it talks you all the way down to the runway. And it's amazingly accurate, actually. It talks you all the way down right over the threshold onto the runway. Good stuff. Uh, and then that night... Oh, this was funny. <laughs> we stayed at uh, our, our Heathrow, North Alt Heathrow. They're the, kind of the same area. They're only a couple of miles apart. So we stay at a hotel over at Heathrow. Uh, and we're always changing the hotels there. It always seems that the hotel doesn't suit someone and, and someone complains. And so we end up going to another hotel. But we stayed at a nice hotel, a Hyatt uh, hotel, which is right next to runway 09 left at Heathrow on the Bath Road, if you know that. Uh, so it's quite nice to sit out there and watch the planes take off. So we went out and had a very nice curry, and I was feeling a bit like a fat pig after that. So I thought, I know, I'll, uh, it was a lovely evening. I thought, I'll go for a walk. I'll walk down to the 09 left threshold and, and just watch the planes coming and going. You know, work off some of that curry. So I did so. I wandered down uh, and took up uh, my position at the end of the runway, just by the fence there, you know, not bothering anyone. But it only took about a minute or so before a security van car pulled up just uh, sort of 10, 20 meters away from me. And, and this guy was just sat, actually a girl as it happens, sat there and I could see them in the rearview mirror watching me. So she watched me for a couple of minutes, then got out of the car and came along and, uh, well, basically shooed me off. Says, I'm not allowed to be there. I couldn't see why it was a public road. But uh, anyway, she shooed me off. She was very nice about it. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I've had my walk. I'll walk back to the hotel. Um, oh, she said, I have to be further than three meters away from the fence, which I probably was. But I thought, oh, okay, three meters, four meters, two and a half meters, whatever. So I started to walk back. And just as I was walking back, I saw a sign on the fence which said all vehicles and equipment must be three meters from the fence. I thought, oh, well, that's funny. I'm not a vehicle or equipment, so I'm going I'm to take a picture of that. So I took a picture of this sign just because it amused me. And then literally like 30 seconds later, another security man came screeching to a halt next to me, demanding to know what I was doing and what I was taking pictures of. I thought, oh my God. Actually, I was really quite impressed. They were very uh, courteous and polite. Um, but, you know, it's good to know these people are, are taking their job seriously. And, uh, you know, they had no idea who I was. I'm just some random guy taking pictures of stuff. I could have been anyone. So anyway, after nearly getting arrested and put in prison by Heathrow Security, I decided to cut my losses and, and walk back to the hotel, uh, which led us on to yesterday, which was a, uh, a nice day. We went to, for the first time ever, we went to Sligo, which is, for those who don't know, it's in the northwest, right on the coast, northwest coast of Ireland. Now, I'd not been there before, but I've got to tell you, folks, it was absolutely gorgeous. What an approach. It was lovely weather, um, hills and forests and woods and the coastline. And, oh, just absolute heaven. What a wonderful approach. Very short runway, though. Ooh, super short. 
uh, it was, I haven't got it in front of me, I think about 1,100 meters in length, which is about 3,500 feet, which is about as short as we can, can get onto. And it was forecast for showers of rain, uh, which would have really put a, a dampener, pun intended, a dampener on things. On a wet runway, we had no hope of getting in there. But as it is, it remained dry, so we were just able to, to sneak in. Uh, but that was really lovely. I look forward to going back there. And it was, funnily enough, uh, an NDB approach is what we flew. <laughs> NDB approach, this is kind of old world, 60s, maybe even older, 50s technology. I can't remember the last time I flew an NDB approach. Basically, an NDB is just a radio beacon. It's just pumping out a signal, non-directional signal. And you have a, a receiver, an ADF receiver on the aircraft. And in very basic terms, it's just a needle which points towards the source of the radio signal. It's yeah, very old-fashioned technology, uh, not particularly precise at all. I wouldn't want to rely on one in bad weather. Uh, but actually, on a modern aircraft like this and most other aircraft these days, you'd actually fly something called an FMS overlay. So you'd have the, that needle, the NDB needle, selected and pointing at the beacon, but actually you're really following the, the uh, satellite-based navigation. So that's much more accurate. But that was good fun to practice those NDB skills. But, you know, like uh, waiting for a bus, you wait for ages, and then suddenly two turn up at one point. Well, we flew the NDB approach there, and then we went to another airport, and guess what? We flew an NDB approach there as well. So, goodness me, I haven't flown one in, I don't know, 10 years, 8 years, and then two in one day. Who would have thunk it? Uh, and actually, that was into Oxford Airport, which is another airport we go to fairly sort of often, which was last night. And we stayed in a just beautiful hotel, uh, the Ensham Hall Hotel. Look it up on the internet. It's just one of these old sort of manor houses. Absolutely gorgeous. Really lovely ground. So I went for a nice walk, got up early, went for a run this morning in the local countryside. Just gorgeous. Sort of makes up a little bit for not being able to go to Athens and, uh, and Amman in Jordan. Anyway, that was this morning. Then we did a, a flight down to Avignon in the south of France. And now we're on our way back up to London Stansted to drop the aircraft off for a little bit of work. Uh, nothing major. One of the, the toilet doors is uh, sticking open. Uh, a few other minor bits and bobs, but that will all get fixed very quickly and probably be released back onto the line by tomorrow morning. And that was my week. Uh, good news, though, I've just found out this morning, after a bit of negotiating with our rostering department, that I'm actually going to be available and off of work for the big PTUK summer flying and barbecue in uh, August, 18th of August. So I'm really pleased about that. Really happy. Uh, so I'm going to be hopefully flying in if the weather's nice in my PA-28. Um, might have a free seat or two, so keep your ears peeled if you want to accompany me and... Uh, I'd already offered one seat to Barbara, Barbara Parrish. I think she's going to come with me, but might have another spare seat as well. So if you're interested from flying uh, out of Cranfield to, uh, I can't remember if it's Seething or Beckles, the boys will tell you in a second, uh, then uh, keep your ears peeled. Anyway, from me, from 40,000 feet, from I'm guessing somewhere just to the north of Paris, this is all for this week. See you all again another time and fly safe. Get 
Seething Pip. Seething, seething, seething Pip. Oh. Seething. I'm so very Honestly. pleased he's coming there. That is really great news. That I know, really it's great. great news. If um, you want to, if you're not aware of the Plane Safety Podcast, then where the heck have you been? Take yourself to www.planesafetypodcast.com. Uh, he uh, released, uh, some, uh, a couple of people were saying in the chat room, actually, they've just caught up. And uh, yeah, actually, the last one he released was on May the sixteenth. Come on, Pip. Come on, do Pip. another one. Pull your finger out. Absolutely. But so, uh, yes, mention the barbecue while mention while the barbecue. Yeah. yeah so the uh, don't forget our we're having our big, big, big PTUK summer mm, barbecue flying. Yeah. Our first one this year uh, mm. on the eighteenth of August at uh, Seething Airfield, which is just down the road from here. Mm-hmm. It's in between here and Norwich. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a big day there. We've got uh, quite a few people now flying in. Mm. Listeners are flying in with their own. We seem own to have aircraft. quite a collection of Piper Twenty Eight. We do. We, we are going to have. <laughs> A group formation. Yep. Armando here is going to yep. fly in with his PA28 yep, along with a few other people in PA28. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got a Cessna 150, please do fly in because we'd like to have some Cessnas there as well. Um, but uh, I have got a very important announcement to make actually uh, while mm. we are live on air. Mm. And uh, it's really important, inf- uh, really important um, kind of, you know, it's a very, very Nice thing to say, I think, okay. for uh, for two certain people who are watching the show right now. Okay. And uh, I'm going to say congratulations to Jason and Gabrielle. Uh, they both uh, have got engaged today. Aww. And, uh, yeah, he actually, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's asked a question, hasn't he? Is hey. he? I know. He's all grown what, up what, now, what, Jason what, is. What's for dinner? Yeah, what's for dinner, right. probably. Yeah. So can, <laughs> we're going to say a big congratulations to, uh, to yeah, Jason and Gabriel. Yeah, 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 well, bravo. Well yeah, done. Congratulations. Clap. I taught yeah, him well. Absolutely. I taught him well. Yeah. Ah, there we go. So uh, <laughs> that uh, is uh, where we're going to rush things on now. We have uh, actually got uh, a very important meal booked mm, uh, yeah, for very indeed. soon. Yeah. We're going to take Armando to a, a special restaurant that most of you listeners will know. His second visit, has His to be second said. Visit, yeah, yeah to, uh, to Chan's yeah. and Stewart's. I'm afraid, sadly, means that uh, we'll save the Rome uh, uh, play out for, for next week so yeah. our little say we've basically run out of time we're massively over our slot <laughs> and it's all just gone yeah horribly wrong but uh, yeah so that that is where we bring episode number 220 yes. to a close uh, we'll see you all next week um, for um, we're not we, we're not 100% sure what day or time yet uh, no Carlos keep will come your back eyes to me open yeah, we'll so uh, watch the, the so, yeah watch the old social yeah. media feeds to, to, to find I out what, Nev should be back next week no I don't or think is he Nev is no because it's the Oh, it's the yeah, 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 that's, that's oh, very yeah, close. Okay. So okay. I think I think Neville will be missing for a couple yeah. of weeks with very good excuses. It has to be said. Uh, but yeah, so not hundred percent sure when we're recording live next yeah. week. Uh, so if you're not doing so already, take yourself to www.plaintalkinguk.com uh, and you'll find all our social media links on there. Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk, and it is at plaintalkinguk on Twitter. And don't forget, if you want to grab yourselves a PTUK t-shirt, Armando has got his tonight. He's, yeah, he's got his one here. Yeah. Look, it's a nice, shiny new t-shirt. Yeah, PTUK absolutely. t-shirt. So if you want to get yourself one of these t-shirts, yeah. take yourselves yeah. over to the website. The links are on there. It's store, yeah. I think it's under. Yeah, yeah, it's plaintalkinguk.com forward slash store. Yeah, uh, grab yourself a t-shirt and uh, you too can uh, look awesome like Armando. Indeed, right. So yeah. that is where we bring episode number 220 to a close. Thanks to everyone who's joined yeah. us in the chat room tonight and also not forgetting everyone who downloads the show mm. through the audio uh, versions on yeah. iTunes, Stitcher yeah. and Podbean and all of the podcast things. Yeah. And take care, have a great weekend, and stay safe, fly safe, and see you all next week. For all of us in the studio, say bye-bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.